Horror Guys podcast. This is Scott. I'm Billy. I'm Daryl. And today with us, we got some special guests. Uh, so why don't you guys introduce yourselves? No, I, I actually prefer that you introduce me. <laughs> <laughs> Go blank. Hello. Uh, Jay Okerson. Good to be here, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Thank man. you guys for doing the show. Uh, you are no uh, stranger to podcasts. <laughs> So you got quite a few things going on right now. Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, and uh, your show, The Bonfire, is coming back tomorrow. Uh, well, not tomorrow, but uh, when yeah, this releases, yeah, it'll be out that same day. March 1st, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. How excited are you to get back on the air? So I have all these dumb ideas in my head that I can't wait. All we can do is talk about it now and not do it on shows. <laughs> I think I discovered a new bit here for a radio show. I told uh, Dan Soder, my partner, today, and he loved it, was last night. Being hungry when I left here, I was like, I'm gonna go to a Taco Bell. And I looked up the closest Taco Bell and it had an oddly low Yelp review number, which I would never <laughs> think would hit me about a Taco Bell. I'm like, of course it's bad, but yeah. I'm like, that too seems really bad. <laughs> and I clicked it and the first uh the first review was a one star review and the first words were I have never in my life been yelled at by the manager of a Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's got to be a bit one-star Taco Bell reviews. That's great. <laughs> that's, a great well, bit. that's so awesome. Speaking of that, I went to a Taco Bell on the way home last night, <coughs> and it literally looked like somebody took a shit on my Nachos Bel Grande. So oh, yeah. I would leave a one-star review for sure. You got to get the right things there. You got to go Gordita Crunch. Solid uh, choice. Something they have to put into a thing and Lairs. cook a little bit more. Yeah. That's it. That is the move. Yeah. You got to make them. They have to have some action on it. Can't be something under the. That's exactly it. There has yeah. to be some action. I usually go for the quesadillas. That's what you go for? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Comes in a bag, which always weirded me out. <laughs> yeah. Comes in a hot bag. <laughs> not, a, not a good look. <laughs> Pretty sure the meat comes out of like a caulking tube, though. I'm going to find out what, they del what delivers late night to the old Hilton Garden Inn tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll find something. Sure. I'm sure of it. Uh, so, obviously, you've been doing comedy for, uh, like, a long time. Uh, so, we have just a couple questions that, you know, between us we kind of thought about. And uh, why comedy? What made you get into comedy? Um, I was a huge fan of it, of stand-up, all, all of it, which is the thing I miss most about stand-up comedy. is like being such a fan. Like, I was just a blind fan of it. Like, whoever was doing it on TV, I loved it because I was like, they're trying to make me laugh, so I just laughed at, you know just caught me that innocence is gone <laughs> <laughs> but um I was a huge fan of it right when I graduated high school I started going to community college and I was working overnight to the 7-eleven and uh, a girl that I went to I switched schools from West Philadelphia to South New Jersey my senior year so I caught up with a friend after graduation from like a girl that I knew since I was a kid in, Philly, in my neighborhood in Philly, and she said, uh, we went to dinner one night. She was like, she was disappointed that I never tried anything with comedy. She didn't even know that was a thing you could do at all. <laughs> at all. I just knew I watched it on TV. And the next day, oddly, my friend asked me to go to South Street in Philadelphia to like, get sneakers with him. It was like kind of like the Broadway of Philly. Oh, yeah. I love South, South Street. Street. You know, so, yeah, so I went down there, and where we happened to be, I saw for the first time in my life, like a comedy club, it was there, it was the Laugh House, and it said, like, open mic nights on Thursdays, and then uh, I went in and just looked into it and gave it a shot. So I, on a friend's whim for me to try it, and I did it, and I was like, this is great. 
And then I dropped out of college, and then I, I didn't do great for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I had already quit school. <laughs> so uh, what's your favorite store on South Street? I, whenever I went there, I always loved finding Condom Kingdom, just following the condom sperm. Nation, or condom condom nation, nation, that's yeah. what it was. Following the sperm on the sidewalk to get there. Yeah. I mean, my favorite thing on South Street is Lorenzo and Son's Pizza. It's too oh. big for the plate. Fuck yeah. <laughs> it's an oversized pizza. I don't know, it's funny. I used to go, I was down there like every week, multiple times, generally for so many years. But that place is gone, the Laugh House. But uh, it turned, it did a turnaround. When I, when I would go down there as a kid, it was just like kind of like, families but like during the day it was people walking around and shopping and then at nighttime a little more bar heavy and then it just became terrifying (laughs) it was very scary i think i've been there a couple times when it's been pretty fucking scary yeah at nighttime it gets a little it's like black biker gangs and then dumb irish whites (laughs) (laughs) everything's just like that would conflict down there either way it's a bunch of crotch rockets Oh, no, yes, for sure. We're not talking about hogs. No. These things are buzzing around. Ning, the good news ning, is ning. if you fight a guy wearing a full leather bodysuit, body he can't throw a kick. <laughs> <laughs> if he does, you'll see and hear him coming so far away. So uh, being a Philly kid, are you a Pat or Gino's guy, or do you have another place, like a secret Philly? Pat's, Pat's is the one I would say of those two, but like any place you go on a corner will be great. There was, a, there was a place on South Street, and I don't remember the name of it. I just remember you had to go down a set of stairs, like, into a basement to get into the restaurant. And that oh, was yeah. the best Philly I've ever had. I just don't know what the fucking place was called. You, like, you're a Pittsburgh guy. That sandwich in Pittsburgh, I've only had once. It makes no sense to me still, and I'd never go back. That Pimanti Brothers? Oh, it's one of the best. <laughs> I didn't get it hot. I was opening for, I was on tour with Dave Attell a million years ago. Uh, he had a tour bus. It was like right after Insomniac, right at the tail end of it. And he asked me to go with him on the East Coast tour. So I went with him, and the tour manager was, uh, he was from Pittsburgh. So when we did a theater in Pittsburgh, this guy went out before the show and ordered like a big, huge box of all different kinds of Pimanti, brother. Am I saying it right? Yeah, yeah. it's like Pimanti. Uh, and they got, he brought them all back. And if, if you don't know what they are, there, do you know what they are? All these sandwiches? It's, no. it's from the steel working era is the idea. Yeah. So it's a sandwich with everything on it that you would get on the side. So if you get like a corned beef sandwich, say, or a roast beef sandwich, what you're going to get is a roast beef sandwich with coleslaw, potato salad, french fries on the bread, right? Yep. That's the idea of it. It's all it's in there. It's all stacked together. Because they had to eat quick. They didn't have time to take long lunch yeah. breaks. Now I'll be honest. I'm not against that. That doesn't sound great hot. <laughs> doesn't sound horrible, but doesn't sound great hot. An hour and a half sitting around, it is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't get that taste out of my memory to go back and try like a hot one. But just a, a cold deli sandwich is wet with coleslaw. <laughs> Whatever was <laughs> it. It's just so bad. You mean kind of like the club sandwich on Thursday? Club sandwich here did not age well as well. I'll say <laughs> the order is not a, this is not a bad press or a one star talk. No, the, this was entirely your fault you because gotta get it. You we gotta were here for it. like two hours after. You gotta eat that thing fresh. You gotta eat that, that thing fresh. Did not age well in my hotel room. <laughs> Sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so Davis, who normally is here and co-hosts with me, he wanted me to ask uh, either one of you guys, both of you guys, uh, is there a comedian that you? Ha- Wish you could work with that's alive or dead, or who's somebody that you would dream of working with? Uh, for me, the one, I'd still hope that he talked a bunch of shit that we were going to do it, and then we just never did it. It was uh, Dice. 
Like, so oh, we were going to do, like, awesome. some dates awesome. together called oh, the yeah. Fingerless Gloves Tour. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, we, you should when do I, the, the day I met him, Ari Shafir brought, he was, like, uh, you know, the, the reason I th- was, like, I remember just going, he's the only comic for sure I remember going to school and, like, reciting all of his shit to make my friends laugh. <laughs> and, like, uh, and then when I found, his sons were fans of mine, which I thought was awesome, just, like, that turnaround. Oh, yeah. To tell my stepfather that Dice Man Cometh is what brought me and my stepfather together. He brought that tape home. My mom went to work, and we watched it, and we loved it. And so uh, all the years I did comedy, I never met him. And maybe, like, four years ago, Ari Shafir just brought him to my barbecue. Oh, <laughs> shit. He was in New York, and he just came over. And yeah. we and him just talked for, no exaggeration, five straight hours. Like, I was such a fan. I had so many questions. He was he loved that I knew his shit. And, and uh, I guess someone had showed him my comedy at that point. So he was like, I found out he even knew me at all because you're not bad you know i found he knew me at all because he just put a thing on social media that said the only comic working right now that i would want to tour with is me he said me i was like oh shit and we had That's him on my radio awesome. show he called into my radio show and then we met at that barbecue and we just talked a while and a lot of like we should do the hollywood bowl and i'm like <laughs> dude let's do the hollywood bowl and then i was like the roxy in la i'm like let's do it and then how many times did you come? My age, not enough because <laughs> my agent, every time I call, I go, hey, what's we fun with that dice thing? And it's like, yeah, it's like very hard to lock down. <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah. Very so it's like, it's more like, I'm like, oh, I'll just take the compliment that he said he wanted to do it. But I'd love to do some kind of a show with him one day and that'd be great. What about you, Bill? Uh, George Carlin <laughs> is my hero and he's dead. Yeah. Yeah, so like, <laughs> the ghost of my, George my no, my stepmom for Christmas this year knitted me a George Carlin doll. That's fucking oh, awesome. Yeah. It was a fucking amazing. It's and it is awesome. Uh, if technology goes how it goes, you could perform with George Carlin hologram. The hologram. <laughs> they did it for Tupac. You say Tupac's more important than George Carlin? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, they both had voices. They both did. Both yeah. roses. Uh, both roses from the concrete. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, he. I re, jamming in New York. I believe was the spe, the HBO special, and I I watched that when I was sixteen. And like for me, like I does that I, have the golf bit on it? The golf courses. Yes, That's the one of his that got me in the there. waste of that. land yeah. or whatever, and the. Get on the plane, get on the plane. Fuck you, I'm getting in the plane. Like that, all that. And I was asking about the like we love to bomb brown people. I love the that was the that was the local water. You go, how's the water here? Because I always ask that just to set the crowd up because everyone, no one ever says their water. Everyone just goes, uh, don't drink it. He goes, no one ever goes. Yes, George, enjoy our fine city's drinking water. (laughs) (laughs) He was just so. Like when I was 10, there was this kid that would come, his grandparents lived across the street from me and every summer he, he was from, he was from uh, Antioch, California and he would come and spend the summer with his grandparents and he had the Eddie Murphy comedian tape, which was basically the delirious mm-hmm. special yeah. Yeah. and uh, I'm 10 years old and his grandparents couldn't hear worth a shit. They were old as fuck. So like we would sit. These people had a bomb shelter in their house. Like, it was, they were unreal. <laughs> they were prepared. Yeah, and we yeah. were, like, on this back porch, and he would play that tape, and they couldn't hear it. 
And so we're back there just cracking up, you know, fucking, hey, boy, look at my cute in them jeans and fucking lemonade, like all that shit. And that was like ear candy to me. I never heard someone talk like that. So, like, that was amazing, right? And then Cosby and, like, just kind of, I just liked people. But then when I was 16, that Jamin in New York special came on HBO, and I watched it, and it was like, it was literally like, seeing my jesus like it was this dude is so right like it's indisputable everything he's saying is so indisputable and funny at the same time like i would kill to have that type of just charisma and ability to to put my thoughts into words like all of it the voice fluctuation like he was just fucking unreal dude was super smart there's no no denying that he was highly intelligent like I love about, I mean, about Carlin. He would just do like, like a super heady joke and then a fart joke. That was the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, like, he would great. bring it up and then dumb it down because he knew people weren't. Not everybody was going to get, you the know, the level of where he stuff, was at. Yeah. yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I think that he just became kind of at peace with like, okay, this is just funny. Farts are funny. This really smart joke about economics is funny. You know, Eddie like, Eddie Murphy's first two albums, track names. Got me a mic drop, like walk off in an argument with a comedy club in New York. The comic strip it was weird. It was such a great club. Maybe it will be again, or maybe it was. I, I don't know. I th- maybe it's done. But it was this legendary club, the comic strip. And I worked there for years. And then it just started to go to shit. They started turning it all over to like uh, street teams, which is a thing in New York. They have these guys like, they'll sell you any club's tickets and Coke. These people, they're just like just degenerate people. We're just like basically. Now the thing is, they're selling you a real thing. Like they're selling you a book of tickets you could use for this comedy club, but they're trying to rip people off. That's just how they get their audiences now. Yeah. So it was bad. It would just be like, you know, like the whole show of the audience turned from being just like this mainstream, like all races and all kinds of people there. It would just be like two groups of thirty-five angry Puerto Ricans or <laughs> and it was just getting like hostile and weird in there and a, and a, a host William Stevenson uh, rest in peace he passed away but he was arguing with the audience they had their feet up on the stage and he was just an older kind of crotchety guy and he gave this girl shit for having her feet on stage and he called her a cunt <laughs> sure. and then like her boyfriend who was young like a 30-year-old guy talking to like a 60-something-year-old guy, and he got in his face on stage, and there's no security there. And I went up, and I just basically got the guy like off stage, and they got him out of there. But like uh, I jumped in, because I jumped in on that, I just got thrown in the fold by like the owner of the club that like I shouldn't have defended that uh, the host, William Stevenson, because he was a piece of shit for calling a woman a cunt. And all this just crazy, this argument went on. I was like, yo, this is nuts what Damn. you're saying. I'm like... Your com- a comic went on stage at your club that you're lucky he doesn't sue you. You know what I mean? Like, you should thank me for getting you not sued. Yeah. yeah. For stopping that from getting, like, crazy. And that was like, uh, he gave these crazy statements. He was, he's going nuts, this guy, anyway. But he was like, uh, you know, uh, he goes, who's the names he gave? Seinfeld and Ray Romano. Those guys never use the cunt, the word cunt on or off stage. And I'm like, you have no idea. Yeah, but their wives were cunts on yeah. their shows. <laughs> but, but isn't it just funny? I'm like, what a crazy statement to make. You have no idea if that's true, and I'm, I'm certain it's not true. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he was just arguing and arguing, and he just kept, ar- he just kept making the point of, like, it's a woman being called a cunt is the word. And then uh, he was doing it on through social media. He's like, they're, like, arguing with me. 
And I, uh, I just wrote back, the mic drop was, I go, they, Richie Tinkin, the owner of the club, uh, was Eddie Murphy's manager for a long time. He's the guy that walks into the stage and Raw. He's in the studio and party all the time video. He's, oh, yeah. He's in it with him. Yeah. He's the owner of the club. He's an old, decrepit guy now. And, uh, and so he's writing all this dumb shit. And I, but because of his, his connection to Eddie Murphy, in that club always hangs Eddie Murphy comedian. And the, whatever the one he went did after, I forget what it was called. But they're both up there. And uh, they, uh, they have tracks on them. The first one's got a track. A uh, uh, comedian has a track called Faggots. Yeah. <laughs> and the other album's got a track called Faggots. And Wouldn't Ralph Norton it, be a funny faggot? But the on, the, on the other album, it's got a track called Faggots in parentheses. It says, Revisited. <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> and so I just mentioned another thing. I go, uh, are you worried about offending gay people or are you just worried about offending cunts? <laughs> <laughs> and then he just took, he's erased. He started erasing like all his comments after that that he wrote. Because it was just a dumb argument. I'm like, what's the... Yeah. Why is this even being a social media argument? And by the way, how dare you try to take that word away from us? Because, like, we can get in a domestic dispute, and that bitch can punch us 30 times. (laughs) And we're an asshole if we punch her back. Like, the only thing that we got... Is that word? That's the, literally. <laughs> I like, try to normalize it so it doesn't punching. hit like thunder. Well, I mean, in, in the UK and and Australia, it's just they part of their it, normal vocabulary. And I love calling men cunts. That's my favorite people to call cunts. That's one of those words. It, cunt is funny. I, I really try to desensitize it to like women and try to keep it funny more. But like, if you call a guy a cunt, like if he's got anything he's going to fight you, that'll be the thing. <laughs> like for sure. So I'm going to segue that into uh, what's the worst experience you've had working at a club? Oh, man. I'm sure you've had quite a few <laughs> bad ones, and I know you had you had a pretty bad experience in uh, PA recently, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, getting pulled off stage was pretty bad, but, like, it was going great till then. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun. I went back and headlined that place. It was fantastic. The guy's a good setup out there. For what's going on right now, he's got an unreal setup. Yeah, how's COVID, oh, yeah. like, affected you guys? I mean, obviously, Horribly. we were shut down <laughs> for quite a quite a while, but yeah. I know New York's getting, I mean, Cuomo went nuts with shutting everything down. and Maybe it's for good. I don't know. I don't really argue this stuff too much. I'm like, I don't want to get it. I don't want a bunch of, you know what I mean? So it's, like, too much of an argument, like, anti-maskers and all. I'm like, just do it. Put on a mask, dude. Just yeah, do it. <laughs> Move on. At like, the very fucking least, make everybody, everybody else goes, feel better. They're like, I mean, well, I hate wearing the mask. He goes, I yeah. hate wearing the mask. Especially me I'm on flight. On a flight, tomorrow I'll be traveling. From the time i got to put the mask on to take it off. With the exception of maybe getting the smoke in between, but maybe not. They may have shut the smoking sections down, like, in the airports, because yeah. you'd have to take your mask off. Right. But if they... So if I can't smoke even in Atlanta on that layover, like for f- six hours, I'll have mm. that mask on. And man, just breathing your own breath. It's just <laughs> awful. Bro. And Atlanta is one of just the few airports that has an indoor place you can go smoke. Several, like, but they yeah. may have not have them now. Now because everybody has to be yeah. so close together, yeah. But maybe they do. If I would fly do, Delta on purpose just so I could fucking go out of Atlanta. Yeah. It's a great place to lay over. It is. Um, it's a good airport. But yeah, so putting that on. But at the same time, it's like, just wear the fucking thing. Yeah, just, just, yeah. just wear the goddamn mask. Yeah. yeah. It's not that big of a deal. That's kind of where I'm at, too. I mean, it's just not that big of a deal. You'll yeah, get to right. furloughs where you take I mean, I walk around New York. Like, I always have it, like, around my neck. But, like, 
I don't really wear it walking around the street. But if it's like right. it's about to get like crowded on the street, I pop it up. Or right. like, and if I go in anywhere, I put it on. But I mean, like, come on, yeah. <laughs> like it's a weird argument. Yeah. I like when people, I like when we have to, yeah, what an I like, island I like people, to fucking stand on. But I like when people like uh, that look like us give me the thing. And goes, you know, it's like the mask has no uh, the percentage of it helping you. Is I go, oh, it's really, doctor? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, if I'm saying I don't know, you don't know either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we have to police people who come into the club because like it's required when you're not at your table, mm-hmm. and people who give you gruff. But I was like, dude, I'm just like. We're just doing our. We're job. just trying to do the <laughs> fucking thing. We're yeah. just trying to have shots. Well, and eventually, Daisy's going to tell him to eat a dick anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> the guy came up to talk to me yesterday, and uh, Colleen got him. She got him good. Like he was talking like right up in my shit. No man, and she goes, "Oh my god! Like, do you have a mask at all?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, sorry." And he goes in his back pocket and pulls it out, puts it around his uh, ears, and it's you know over his mouth, and then he yeah. just pulls it down to his chin, and he goes. So anyway, man. He <laughs> <laughs> did the chin on, diaper. Yeah. Well, it's just the thing is like, you know, Soder, my, my radio partner just got it. He went to Utah a couple weeks ago and like came home and, and had it. And like, he's fine. You know, he got through it and it was like not that terrible for him. It was just like a mild flu, but you know, you don't know how you're going to get it. So it's like, if I get it, like there's definitely no one. You know, whoever I took a picture with with no mask on <laughs> is not going to be like, oh, I feel really bad. They're going to be right. like, oh, shit. Like, that, yeah, that probably sucks. not even going to know. Sucks. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, yeah. and, but, you know, if I keep the mask on, they're like, come on, dude. I've had fans. That's the best when fans go, come on, dude. You know it's all bullshit with the mask. Like, how do I know that? Well, it's because right. your face won't be in the picture. <laughs> no, no, I understand hey, why I they want to do it. I found a guy that has dyed hair and took a picture with him. Hey, I, used I, to, I met to, Big J Oker. Say what a good thing. that I didn't say this weekend at all. I should have more instead of just going with the flow. But, like, the thing with the mask, if you tell them also, you go, you'll always remember when this picture happened. Yeah, because like, because in five years this will be a blip on the radar. Right, like you know it'll be something that was like but it's oh, a shit, traumatic experience shit? for almost mm-hmm. everyone, so it's gonna stick for yeah. sure. But I'm saying it's when you see a picture like that, you're like, oh shit, remember that was going on, and we we went to that comedy show yeah. still. Like yeah, yeah, that's one thing that I've been really happy about. You know, we were shut down for a while. We've opened up, but since we've opened up. Just being able to get the energy back in this room. I mean, it, it, up on stage, you feel it being up on stage, and we feel it being employees and kind of being in the back of the room or working in the sound booth, you know, hearing the roar of the fucking crowd. That's, I mean, you had, you, <laughs> you are a master with crowd work. And oh, thank you, man. I, I, you know, I rank yes. you up there. You, you and Joey Diaz are two people that, like, mm-hmm. I know are going to make everybody in the room laugh because you're going to find the people, you're going to have the shit set up. I mean, it's... <laughs> It's a it's a blast. Yesterday, when you asked that lady how old her husband was, and she said diseased, uh, deceased, deceased, and you said sweet, like I, I lost it from the sound booth. Like I had to make sure that the booth mic was muted because I was laughing so hard I was afraid it was going to come through the speakers. It's funny, I'll throw that out there and like kind of take their lead. I kind of see how their vibe is on that. Like if she would have gotten like sour on that a little bit, like I would have like just apologized and redirected it. Still talked about it because now it's the elephant. She brought it up. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it's the thing to talk about. But what was great was they were so cool. By the time I was like, I was like batting around. I was like, I don't know if I want to go home. She said she was single and, and she said it's been six years. So she's like single technically and she could date and do what she wants. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to be going around your house 
putting down all his pictures. (laughs) 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 Christmas picture where you're all wearing the same pajamas. I'm like, I don't want you to see this dude. I'm only in town for a night. I'm sorry. I'm in town town for a night. I'm doing horrible things to the woman who loved you. (laughs) I think you also said, uh, come over and kick your kid's ass in 2K. Yeah. (laughs) Play with your kids. (laughs) Uncle Jay's here. Who wants to get their ass whooped in 2K? (laughs) (laughs) That's the fucking best. So, uh, if you you want me to start crying, I can talk about my COVID experience. (laughs) 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 So when you were getting into comedy, was crowd work something that you were like, always into or is that something you kind of developed over time were you more trying to write jokes and and do it that path or the first i I just wrote like joke jokes when i first started for a couple years just things that struck me but i was young and didn't have much life experience and then but i did have some good stories and then i started dc benny who you brought up earlier bill to Mm -hmm. me dc benny and ben bailey who became the cash cab yeah they uh they ran the storytelling room, they called it. And it was like, and they kept telling me when they were asking me to do it, they were like, and no pressure to be funny. Just go tell a story. But like, if I tell a story, I'm going to make it a funny story. So I just started telling things that weren't in my set of jokes just for funny stories I had. Because they were like, you didn't have to have like an ending that was like a big laugh. You can just go, and that's the time I met this celebrity on a plane, you know, whatever. And then there's applause and, and it's at the end yeah, and it's, it's fine. good enough. And it was great. So I was enjoying that, like, how funny the stories were. I was just punching them up kind of on the fly. So I started telling So My first album is called An American Storyteller because it was all these, like, long stories I had. But then I did, like, my Comedy Central half-hour special, and I did, like, the Montreal Festival, which is, like, a big mm-hmm. comedy thing to yeah. get, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. to go up there. And it's, like, all those first 10-year in comedy things I was getting – but I had a daughter young, and I was never, like, L.A. present at all. So I didn't get, like, I, I would, the industry wasn't picking up on me at all. But what I, from what I did do, I was able to get, like, in the comedy clubs yeah, a ton. So I could work. I was doing seven nights a week, two, three shows a night. And then on the weekends, like, eight eight shows a night. Holy shit. Just Damn. bounce around. To, to, that's how I made money. You know what I mean? Because on the weekend, they paid, like, 100 bucks or whatever 75 bucks per spot so i'm doing eight a night God over the course of the weekend yeah <laughs> well, those what like 10 15 isn't minute there, sets isn't there like yeah, a 15, record 15 to 20 minute sets New yeah York? people keep trying yeah i think yeah. aaron berg did like 20 maybe or something but like Jesus. but that's just trying to prove a point right yeah, yeah. the point i'm like even at the doing like seven or eight a night the way i would do it i was i would close they would put me to close like the 7, 9, and 11 at one club and the 8, 10, and 12 at another club. And then I'd go to the cellar and close them at like 2.30 or whatever they were done. So I would get them in like that. But it was money, you know what I mean? But the thing, what I noticed was doing those clubs all the time. And Bill, I feel bad. heard me already spout this horse shit, but... <laughs> Don't but, feel bad. Uh, I'm, but, just, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, I'd watch <laughs> comics who have been doing like, you know, comics that are almost notoriously do the same set forever. Yeah. I'd watch the staff. There was a few things I'd see. There's comics like, I won't name names on the negative end, but on the positive end, like Patrice O'Neill, Dave Attell, the comedy seller in clubs like that particularly, like I thought was awesome when I watched them. Obviously, they're super funny. But also, like, the staff and uh, the other comics would try to pile in to watch them when they went on. Yeah. And it was because, like, you didn't know what was going to happen exactly. Yeah. 
And I started doing these clubs, and I'm doing my set and my stories and my jokes. But the other comics I know who did that, I'd watch the staff, like, you know, like, rolling we their eyes. We get it. Like, you can kill. We get it. Not even we can kill, yeah. but just, like, almost like the exact jokes, like, mouthing the words, like, blah, 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 blah. Like, they know the rhythm of the yeah. joke. Yeah. And they were almost, like, rolling their eyes, like, just like what, what bothered me was, like, a non-comic figure. If a comic figures out your recipe, whatever that means, like, that's fine. I get that. That's the whole thing you try to do to people you admire. You're like, what's the recipe of what right. they do? That How makes they it, do that. Like, yeah. Why does it make me laugh in a world that I'm, like, jaded by comedy? What are they doing that's making me laugh? Right. And not, not the rest. So I, uh, I'd watch them just, like, roll their eyes. They're just, like, they figured, like, a, a, like a, a, a waiter... You know what I mean? Like a server figured out yeah. the figured out the comedy of this guy, and I was like, I don't want him to do that to me. So I would just like, or maybe I'll take like a story a night that I'm gonna do, and let's say just for argument's sake, like it's my virginity story I'm gonna tell, and that's six seven minutes I can make that last. You know, five minutes. I for the rest of the time I'd go up there and I'd go. Like the only way I can keep it new is I can go. Hey, so uh, goes. Hey, how old were you when you lost your virginity? And just like ask the crowd, and then like, well, what was your story? And they tell, it, and it would be weird in some way or something odd enough to comment on and make funny. And then also they put me on at the end end of the night because I was always dirty, and I'd be going on after a tell and Godfrey and these guys who would hammer with material particularly, and I would just go up there and be like, you guys have heard material all night, and me and the host so I'd be like, hey, what do you know about this crowd so far? Yeah, and Arnie yeah, Fuqua yeah. at the cellar, he'd go. Uh, these two have been married for five years. These two were on a third date, but I don't know if it's going good. And he was, already, <laughs> I mean, he was like, tee me, he would tee yeah. me up to like, just go like, really? Like, how long you married? You know, I started asking questions and just, and it got away from even getting to the stories through that shit and just started to become more of like, I come up with material. But whenever I try to write jokes, ever, 100% of the time, that have been like, all right, here we go. Open up. A lot of comics carry a notebook. I'm going to do a notebook thing. And, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> or record my little ideas mm-hmm. and go, and then I'll go home and master them and work them out. I just I would go on stage and I'd go, they'd all be like, "You ever been on a subway? You ever been on an air? <laughs> What's with the airplane?" <laughs> I just wrote so hacky, but like, if I could just get my mind like loose and just go on stage and talk, like it would be oddly unique, just like yeah. goofy shit coming out. So and then I'd go. Now if I could just remember some of it. And so then those nights and find doing, a way to repeat that's the thing, it but a when little you're, bit when you're doing eight shows a night the beauty of that was I can go oh at the at the seven o'clock show I said this thing to this guy but I could make that just a general funny thing and then you get to try it six more times and see if it's funny you know what I mean that you was workshop like, the whole bit in one night that <laughs> would take a guy like me a year but it's writing it and like yeah trying to like, like toiling over like the wording and stuff and it was just more fun to do it that way so that's it was literally because I didn't want the staff to be like this guy again. I wanted them to be like, and that was was great. I started to, as I got older, because that's what's weird. And Bill, you could definitely speak to this too. Man, there is no definitive line of the time I could say from being a person that was like, you know, going up on like the new jack spots they would call them on the black clubs, mm-hmm. or the you know the late night new people spots in the mainstream clubs, to being like comics who I've heard of now going like dude I watched you when I was in eighth grade and I knew that I was going to be a comic like oh shit <laughs> like oh yeah like I was like oh I'm a veteran <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck I'm mean? old like, I, just like you just go I'm a vet- I don't remember like when that switch happened over but uh 
Thank God it fucking I can, does, but it's oh, great. Yeah. It's about say it's really like uh like doing it so long. Yeah, I don't remember what the change was, but to have go from like a time where I was like, I hope my goal is that like the comics want to watch the first cool Thursday night here because it was the lightest crowd we had. Was, yeah, like, there was room in but the all back. All the local comics. And it was, like, I loved it. That before I had a crowd buying tickets for seats. The only thing I could hang my hat on is that the staff and the local comics wanted to come watch what I was going to do. That saved my ass for you yeah. because they'd be like, well, can, it's funny, the, the, the punchline in San Francisco, they've let me build an audience there. They had me going there when I couldn't fill the room and let me slowly build, you know, and then my own stuff would happen and it would get more and more people. But she was so honest when my agent was calling around trying to get references on me to see if I was worth working with. He called her, and she was like, oh, we love him. He's so great. The staff loves him. He's one of the favorites here. He kills every time. It's so fun. I can't sell. He sells, sells tickets at all, <laughs> which is what I needed this guy to fix for me. But, like, it was cool. That, that saved me so much. So the crowd work was genuinely – long story. I'm sorry. I'm stoned. Oh, no, yeah. That's no, perfect. But, but the, but the yeah. truth, of it, it, was, it was to make staffs yeah. like me and not just go, like – because even anybody, there's great comics, but they really yeah. come in and do, like, the hour they're doing. What? Yeah. I can say for sure, like, I mean, yeah, I've the, been here for, like, five years now, so I've seen a lot of comics come through multiple times. Mm -hmm. Like, in one weekend, I'll watch the show, like, three or four times, and the next time they come through, I'm like, I'm just going to do some other stuff because it's still the exact same every time. And, like, when someone like you or, like he said, Joey Diaz comes through, I was like Mark Norman. He's always got a bunch of new jokes. Sure. Like, I like like the whole staff will stand in here. Like, we'll hang out in the back and watch it. And but like, that's huge. Because yeah. the thing is, like, you guys you can you tell got, the morale of the, you just guys, like the staff is so much better when it's a, co a comic that you guys hear it the most. At least they're gonna have something. Yeah. You guys like hear something. it the absolute most, yeah. man. Like, you guys are the ones just like that. At the end of a weekend, will be rolling your eyes like this old. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like when you, especially when, yeah. you, when you memorize the misdirections you know their beats and shit. And everything. Like, the misdirections are the worst. But they do on purpose. Like, yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. that drives me nuts. I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't mean yeah, what I'm saying. You start figuring if you in one weekend, you could figure out someone's recipe. Sort of like, like, what's the excitement to like watch them come versus like, let's just go and see where they fucking go. Like David Tell does it with jokes. It's not crowd work, but like. Every day he writes 11 jokes. Right. You know yeah. I mean? yeah. And I don't know that for a fact, but I mean, just watching his process, I'm like, he just goes. He just has like a small concept and he fucking fires away at it. And that's how do you not want to watch that? You know well, I, mean? I, always, like, I always gauge it by being that I'm in the sound booth most of the time, seeing how many people are standing outside of the sound booth, watching what's going on, listening. Yeah, they're not yeah. just hanging out in the server station or they're not doing, you know, the other little things that we can be doing at times, you know, just seeing them enjoying what's going on like that's how i gauge it and and with, with someone like you who's changing it up every show because of doing crowd where you know you're interacting with the front we we try as door guys to put the best people in the front for you because yeah. we want to see that we, you, know, you don't do. you don't know also like the thing is like with <clears throat> with material again like to me like it's, just, it's insecure it's all born from insecurity but i'm just like you know what i like is that like any crowd that came this weekend they came to one show for sure. If they only came to one, like, when I have a special come out, like, they'll go, oh, yeah, he did those two jokes that I liked, but they won't know any of the other stuff because right. yeah. I did that for the 8 o'clock show, and I was like, I don't want to repeat that. And So in a weird way, doing the crowd work and getting them is, is the genuine – it keeps it fun for me. I couldn't see – and some people can. It's great. It's not a dig on them at all that people that have, like – 
people work out like an amazing, you know, Nate Bargatze is like a comic who I think yeah. is a genius, yeah. man, but he has an hour. He comes right, and he yeah. does that hour, and but he works that hour out yeah. like intricately, and in the and his process is his, and it, and it's great, and it, and the result is something that's, you know, on one of my Mount Rushmores of comedy, like you yeah. know uh, Nate Bargatze. Yeah, I think he's that great, and he's such a, a long friend of mine. I watched him develop into what he is, yeah. which was such a pleasure. That's the to do. beauty of art, though. Yeah, he's become you, so you amazing. You get to make your own. Like, yeah, I, love I mean, I'm kind of like you in the sense that I just, I. Uh, I say something funny in a moment and then I try to remember it. I, I, it's not, I don't have this scientific thing that I do because I feel like I'm only funny if it's organic. Dude, I write like, I write like a cornball. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel guilty because you see these guys. Hallmark you know? card jokes. I, 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 I genuinely don't like, I'm like, I don't know where to start. Like that's me and Kurt Metzger. You guys know Kurt Metzger? Like the name Kurt, sounds familiar. Kurt's a fucking yeah. genius, yeah. man. And we were always good at like, I liked helping him with jokes. He's a writer. He's a real writer, legit. He wrote for a Schumer show, and him and Kyle Dunnigan have a whole thing they're doing now. It's amazing. And, like, he's a writer. From the time I knew him and met him, we were doing the black comedy clubs together, and he was so white. <laughs> <laughs> but his jokes were just, like, fucking so, so great. But what I love about a writer, like, I'm bad. Like, you want to ruin a joke for me as a comic? And friends of mine learned this over the years. Tell me, like, hey, I got a great tag for that joke. And I go, if you tell it to me, I'm scrapping the whole joke. Like if, it's funny, <laughs> like if it's funny enough, I'm going to be bummed out I didn't think of it myself. And I go, I don't want to tell your joke. And it's not like a – it's my own insecurity. But I love people that are writers, man, are so quick. Like, Kurt, they can write Kurt, in your voice. Kurt, but, not even, but not even yeah. that. I'm saying more for him. He, like, he was so happy to call me and be like, hey, I need some punch-ups for this bit. And I'd give them to him because, like, I don't – that's what I love about a genius writer – they know how to find topics. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, so Kurt would call me, like, and go, hey, I got this joke about the black mamba snake and how it attacks people. And I'm like, see, that's what I would have never thought of. I'd yeah. Just been like, I'd just been like, you ever listen to this kind of music? And like, I, my stuff's just, my thoughts are hacky. But if I go in the moment. Right. It's much easier for me. Yeah. Like, so More and in the moment, you, you just don't to have find, to. Just to find wacky shit, because at the end of the day, like, if you just, like, are descriptive and wordy and, like. Yeah calm with them like it's just like funnier stuff just tends to come out but like you can also can't force feel better about to do you can something feel better about like in a in a weak moment going where'd you learn how to whisper a helicopter or something and oh dude like I just have so a many. weak moment and just go ahead and call it out but like dude fuck my it. biggie my big my first started man like so funny thinking that i was like nailing it and i was like <laughs> pretty good uh because it would just do great but like in the black circuit especially all these jokes that were just like you know I used to get fucked with in school all the time. I used to get bullied in school. I was the only white kid in the school, and they'd call me this and that. And then I'd turn around, and I'd be like, listen, Principal Johnson, and the crowd laughs, laughs, and you're like, they have no idea. I was going to say, and then, you know, 21 years in, you're just like, like if I saw a comic do that, you got to go, I get it. How old are you? Or how long have you been doing it for? Yeah. And it's like, sure, sure. Okay, no, you no, had no, to sure. get through this. Sure. like you, you have to have those jokes. Dude, I used to. Fuck the shit out of stools in black comedy clubs. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing of the thing. You can't yeah. fuck to this song. You'd be fucking all crazy. I, 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 pan yeah. You'd be I, pan I pandered big. I pandered real big when I first started, but I was like. You didn't find I, that I, to be a mistake? No, because I never did the vernacular. I never was not true to myself in like, I didn't come out and be like, you know, what's up, y'all? Yo, this shit is mad dope. And this is not how I talked. So I did my own, but I, 
my subject matter I picked, like, you know, like, you can't have a superhero in the hood, y'all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never that, you know, you ever buy a chick a drink at a club and she walk away with that drink? I'm dancing with that drink. So you, you know? eliminated plurals? <laughs> is yeah. what you did? <laughs> no, I just, like, I, just did, I just did what I knew would, like, what, you know, I pandered to the crowd. Right. So what, what I love now about doing, like, once in a while, like, some of my friends from, like, the Black Circle would be like, I do a show now, whatever. And, you know, it's not at the money or anything, but it's, like, a bar, and it's, like, a Sunday night or a thing. And I'm like, if I'm free once in a while, I'll be like, yeah, I'll do it. Because it's fun to go up there and just do what I do now and, like, it's not getting them with pandering, but in five minutes of being on stage, like, it takes a few minutes because it's like this weird, like, it's a machismo thing in the, yeah. in the black uh, crowds. Then, All like, you have to do is so, not so, be scared. Right, so if you just go, it's like, yeah, if this guy's going to be, like, frowny-faced the whole time, I'm going to shit on him a little bit. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to make it a whole thing. But they just kind of go, like, oh, he's just, like, he's having fun with this. It's like, yeah. he's comfortable, and, and that's... Yeah. Appreciate it more, but that's so much more rewarding. But like you know, when I used to go up there and just be like, just Sp- Spider Man can't be in the hood. <laughs> <laughs> and they were laughing. At me again. <laughs> but what I I never did the talk talk because like I thought it was rude. What I tried to, it's pandering. What I tried to come in though and like fuck up, like almost be like a monkey wrench for, especially you know when you're younger and more competitive comedically. Just wrench, just just wrench. What I would like to do is just, I'd, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the wrench he's right the wrench I would throw in would be to not to try to win them without being pandering in my delivery yeah right. so even though it wasn't like you won't almost to point out the fact that I go when I watched a white comic sell himself out and just be like yo the sisters in here looking fine though I'd be like I go. It's too funny. I, I always try to make the. I always wanted to give know, it if, up if, for if, things. If, in my mind, I was like, "That's insulting." I felt like to a yeah. black crowd. It's absolutely. It's like, insulting. oh, you're not going to understand me unless I go. Oh, the the honey's in here looking fine. Yeah. So I goes, "Is that how you talking home?" It's equally <laughs> as insulting. They don't realize it's coming 100%. out there and being like, "Me and my homies were hanging out in our posse last night." Yeah. <laughs> but it would get a laugh because people yeah. just like. You, you hear the cadence of them trying to be ironic or, they or funny. A, right. They but at least I like, feel like you're owning who you are. But I used, to like to, I used to love to point out, just like, just do what I did to kind of point out. It's like, you guys are human beings who will understand what I'm saying. You don't need me to, like, hood up what I'm, my words. <laughs> right. Yeah. To me, and, and it was like, and I like to point out that I'm like, you know, the white guy who goes up there and he's like, yo, the sister's looking fine ass in here tonight. I met a, a fine bitch at church. And you're like, shut up. Got See, all the yeah. time. Yeah. Here, here's the thing, though. Is that Shut up, Ken, Kendall. <laughs> growing up, like, Cameron. growing up in certain neighborhoods, like, you can tell, you can tell when there's a guy, a, a white guy, who grew up in that neighborhood and that's just how he talks, yeah. or if it's a white guy who's just talking like that because of who he's around. Yeah, that's, that's very, I've very often obvious. said that my I'm, argument I'm would be, fluent in my arg- Ebonics. My, yeah, my, argu- my argument would be, though, even the guy who grew up around it. Made a choice. That's a weird choice. <laughs> yeah, that it is. That's, that's a, true. That, that's a weird choice. The thing is that you don't have to just become like the product of the thing. Not that it's like, I'm not saying it's ignorant or anything like that at all. I'm just saying it's like, it's not what you're going to talk like generally is what's like in your household. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Genuinely. Mm-hmm. So if you're making a choice because like you're a white dude and all your friends are black to be like, oh man, oh hells no. I'm like, you're adopting it. That's like yeah. appropriating to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're about that's appropriating. That, you know I mean? That's like exactly a weird, that's a weird and I hate that thing. term, like, because there's such a difference between, for me, there's such a difference between cultural appropriation and paying tribute. 
Sure. Like, it's two very different things. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. no cool. one's... Like, if you just grew up being fond of something, like Eminem, for example, yeah. growing up just being fond of rap music, and then becoming good at it, and and listening to all this, what you listen to, and all that stuff, like, you're not appropriating anything. You're just doing what you liked. Dude, yeah. the I, thing love, that. I, lo- I love uh, so much, I get so much shit for it, too, but I, pre- I have a weird appreciation for Kid Rock. <laughs> which is so, which is a, a pretty Omaha thing. Chris Porter is a oh, yeah, it's good friend Omaha of his. Thing. Is he really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd love to meet him and everything because I, I really like, what I like about him was he was, I didn't know of him in his young super hip hop phase. Yeah. I got into when everybody found out like ball with the ball. Mm-hmm. But I went to a, 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 like a festival concert, summer sanitarium tour, and it was System of a Down, Corn, Power Man 5000, Metallica was closing it out. And, uh, Kid Rock was on the show. And I was like, I like the radio stuff enough. Like, I'll watch Kid Rock. And I just watched him. Like, he's exactly what, like, we all sort of are. And I worry now that it's going the other direction. My daughter is a teenager. I'm happy to kind of see, like, without even paying attention to it. I'm like, she knows all the current music. But I'm like, if I put on, like, Fleetwood Mac, I'm like, you know this song, right? She's like, yeah, of course. So it's like, I like that she has knowledge of it all. Because you go in and out of what, like, your main thing is. You know what I mean? But, like, uh. Like the whole thing, but Kid Rock was such an interesting thing to me because he played every instrument on the stage. Mm-hmm. And there were songs that were sort of like medley and songs that were hip hop, and I was like, "Oh, but he's the amalgamate. He's the amalgamation of what we are at our age." I'm like, "Yes." When I'd go to buy cassette tapes, when that was still the thing, it's like I'd buy Guns N' Roses, Public Enemy, you know, Fine Young Cannibals, <laughs> and Paul Abdul. Like, you just, you just, like, yeah, I don't yeah, know, yeah the music. Like, you just got the albums that were at all the kinds of music. It didn't. Yeah. My first concert was Tiffany and New Kids on the Block. It's a good concert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to remember. <laughs> the fucking Tiffany. Hell yeah. We interviewed her not long ago because there's a documentary on Amazon Prime and I'll spread the word. If is no it? Uh, I, th- uh, I think we're alone now. That documentary is so fucking unreal. We talked to the director on our show. We had the director on and oh Tiffany. God, dude. Separate times. I don't know how this is a legal documentary, but this guy filmed two genuine stalkers while they stalked Tiffany. So <laughs> what what the fuck? Like, like what currently, the fuck? currently, he just guy, like let it happen. Guy, how about the guy that became a chick? Oh yeah, but then what? still thought he was going to marry Tiffany someday. Yeah, he became a. He's a trans dude, trans trans uh, woman now, I guess, and like has Tiffany pictures at eye level circling his whole apartment. Yeah. Her, Holy her, fuck, her, her whole apartment. But this is my the, fa- the best know. part of the documentary is uh, she's got a, 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 a she has a dad bod. <laughs> and she thinks she's like a physical fitness a runner. Like a run- the, so the best, the, the best scene in the movie is he's he's right. Yes. What it is, she goes, uh, "Show you guys a little demonstration now <laughs> of, my, of my running." And then she just she's in jean shorts, a fanny pack, and a tucked in oh. polo shirt. She runs twenty yards up the street <laughs> in the middle of a street, turns around and like comes back at like. A medium pace. Yeah. And looks at the camera <laughs> runs, like... And runs, runs past the camera of like a very like, you know, like need to slow down a little bit. The stuff. <laughs> and then the camera turns around and she goes, yeah, so that was like uh, about, I love this number. That was about 17% of my top speed. So uh, oh just God. give you a little taste what of it. And you're fuck? like, yeah. When I knew that, I was like, this is going to become a big radio I fodder was so, thing for us. Oh my God. I loved that. And it was, um, it was like watching, hey, 
Hey, Dad, look how fast I can run. That's yeah, what that, it looked like. This documentary, spoiler alert, but worth it. One oh, guy, 100%. one guy's mentally challenged who believes he like he's got Aspergers. Yeah, he me- he thinks he mentally connects with her, and he's like he's harmless, but he's gotten. By the way, in this documentary, both stalkers <laughs> in the documentary mm-hmm. both times get hands on Tiffany. Oh what? <laughs> it's the director. And just like, recording it. I'm just gonna spoke, see where this goes. We spoke to her. We spoke to her. The guy who's the guy who's like challenged. Uh, when we spoke to her, she said, "Yeah, they actually just kind of like the lesser of two evils was to like let him sell merch for them on road. He feels like he's involved. Do you know what, what I mean? The like, fuck? A, yeah, <laughs> that, the, 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 the the trans one. Christ only knows where she's at. <laughs> but <laughs> but the the handicap one. One of the funniest things in the documentary because he goes at the very end of it. <laughs> Like the wrap up, the the produce the director's genius. Yes, he goes. Yeah, he goes. It's been two years since or whatever months, something since they. It's been months and months since they filmed this documentary, and he goes. The challenge dude's like, yeah. He goes, I know now. Obviously, like it's been made clear to me through therapy and stuff. Like, I'm not gonna be with Tiffany. Like, it was a crazy thought I had that I was like, we were soulmates and. I just know now that that's not going to happen. He goes, and then when Alyssa came into my life, it was good for me to know that, like, there was someone there actually for me and who I can connect with on a real level. And you're like, oh, it's probably some other challenge chick or, like, you know, God forbid, if nothing else, a morbidly obese chick. It's Alyssa Milano. (laughs) (laughs) And then you look it up and go Google it. He has since been arrested three times for just showing up on her lawn. Stalking her? Showing up on Alyssa Milano's lawn. What the fuck? He gave Tiffany a Sam... He he followed her to Japan, right? Oh, yeah. And he, he... Wanted to present her with a samurai sword in Japan, which is... That is wild. And he's saying in the doc, like, this is, like, the highest honor. How do you have I that much time to stalk and, somebody like, and have the money to also fly to Japan yeah. with a samurai sword? I'll, 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 I'll tell you what he did. One of my favorite things, too, he did. He's wearing, and I could almost say what would be a replica of... Do you remember, like, the crazy hat they put on Rick Moranis in, like, Ghostbusters? They put oh, that crazy, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. The wacky, like, just telepathic thing. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, like the, yeah, 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 yeah. The wires that, and shit. And yeah, he's, he puts that on in his house, and he goes, hmm. He goes, I'm connecting with it right now. Like he's fucking, like he's right. Professor X with Cerebro. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And he does this, he goes, he goes, yeah, no, I'm connecting. He goes, she's hungry. How about the night both of them spent together in the hotel? Oh, also, yeah, they meet in the documentary and hate each other. And hate each other because what they're fighting know, over she's is mine. It's yes, her. They're, 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 they're fighting over Tiffany. It's like he's like, you keep the trans woman's like, you keep cutting me off when I'm telling you about my love of Tiffany. He's like, and the, the special needs guy believes he's in her life, Tiffany. So he's like, no, he yeah. He, he, goes, he goes, I'll talk to her for you and tell her that you're pretty cool. So. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. He goes, I could tell like when she saw you tonight that like. You guys are chill, and like I'll totally like I'll put in a word for you and let her know she could be friends with you now too. And the trans wow. person's like, "What are you? T- you're crazy!" Like they're both just nuts, but <laughs> yelling at each other for being more so, so, insane. So how do you how did you find this documentary? Were you just bored? I found it. I found oh, it dude. back in the day on like I YouTube. I watched this like ten years ago. Yeah, I watched it on YouTube. Shit. Old. I and the director called in, and he was like, he was great. <laughs> I, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Like, oh yeah, but he was, but, yeah, he, blonde. but dude, that fucking 
And he goes, Alyssa now understands. And he's holding it to a CD of like Alyssa Milano's Teen Steam or whatever fucking oh, her weird shit. thing was. That's ridiculous. That's Have you ever heard of that? Have you ever heard of <laughs> yeah. Tall Hot Blonde? No. Mm-hmm. Look that one up, dude. What is it? That's like the original Stalker movie story. Oh, really? It this this woman used her daughter, put pick made a fake profile with her daughter. Her daughter's like eighteen year old pictures. And this dude that worked in a factory somewhere, like, fell in love with her on a poker site. <laughs> what the fuck? And then there became this love triangle because someone that was her age fell in love with her at the same workplace. And then he ends up fucking killing the dude. And, like, it's crazy. <laughs> Do you remember they People fucking, remember the, the football player? Man, uh, Teo. Yeah, man, Teo. That's right. That was that was the best dude when he got catfish. He's <laughs> like girlfriend. a fucking road scholar, basically. Yeah, like, you to, how are you? You had to you? admit that to everybody, and then like after you do something like that, and then they go, "Well, here's a three million dollar a year contract." I'm like, don't give this guy his money. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody needs one of those Britney Spears people that she has, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's him. Give, give his money to his dad, please. Yeah. Dude, the Britney Spears yeah. Kanye West thing they keep saying is the funniest. They go, "Yo, Kanye West has been wackier than." Britney Spears has ever been, and that motherfucker has his own money. <laughs> like, yeah. why are they fucking holding? Why are they holding her hostage? That shit's crazy. Like all that shit that's come out with that and her fucking. Dad you watch the documentary? I I have started watching it's it. Great. Yeah. It's yeah. fucking wild, dude. It's really like uh, like no one has any. This paparazzi are the wackiest fuck. I, I've never dealt with it at any kind of like big level anyway, at all. I've watched kevin hart like i've been with him when like i've seen weird things like that but like the guy describing very ruthless like she went to the night that she like whacked every the thing with the umbrella and her hair was shaved and everything oh yeah yeah and they just go look at this maniac woman she yeah. just drove to her ex's house or her father's house the father had the kids or something like that and she rang the bell and they were like we're not letting you in to see like so she's got denied seeing her children she's with her what friend the fuck? and they go to a gas station to get gas and like it's like a regular car like a camry or something you know what i mean like yeah. and the and they and the paparazzi started bothering her and when they describe that in the documentary they have the paparazzi guys and those guys were described they're like look we told her like it's like hey we just saw you went through some stuff like we're not going to keep you long. We just have a couple of quick questions for you, and we were gonna, and it's like, and we were going to leave her alone. And then she just freaks out. It's like, are you crazy, dude? Like, <laughs> that's just that's just putting fuel on the fire for those guys. It's crazy. TMZ goes, eats goes, that and shit up. Leave, she freaks out. It goes, yeah. You followed her from like trying to see her kids and saw she didn't get to see them. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, dude. quick question: Are you sad because you can't see your kids? <laughs> <laughs> so right. fucked what up. What a gross dude. profession. And those dudes, yeah. may, I mean, if they get the right picture, those dudes can make a ton of they fucking so money. money. That's why they're there. That's I like that it's down now, though. I think that money's down because there's just so many outlets. It oh, doesn't really good. matter. It's like, at the end of the day, it's like, are so-and-so and so holding hands? Like, it ain't going to be like, back it's, in the day, I think you, get, you can get like fucking half a million for a picture like that. Yeah, and now it's, you know, dude on a cell with a cell phone taking a picture from across the street. And I don't get, I don't know who the people are that are so obsessed with that shit, like. Reading tabloids and keeping up, like I don't know a single person. Like I that. learned all about it from Wendy Williams. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we her. I think I, we talked about that uh, the other night uh, on the patio. I is. find her wildly <laughs> intriguing, so I just completely uh, like she can do. The, I watched her show first to hate watch her, and now I've just become. A, I think I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> you transformed like, into a fan. Yeah, she don't give a fuck. She's great. <laughs> we were talking about the uh, the dead air. How she has like very long. 
like oh. pauses in her episodes, and it's like horrible. I don't even she know these give people a at fuck. all. She's like Shanice from Real Housewives of Atlanta. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> and her audience just nods, like she's talking about like changing fracking laws. They're like, <laughs> yep, like absolutely. She's every word's a gospel. She don't give a shit. It's great. So what's uh? What's one of the crazy, you know, being up on stage and, and doing the crowd work that you do, obviously you piss somebody off to the point where they pulled you off the stage. Uh, before that <laughs> happened, has anything like that, I mean, have you ever gotten that crazy of a reaction from somebody that, you know, obviously like uh, clubs like ours were, were, were paying attention to the yeah, room the whole yeah. time. So um, No, that's like the most like, I've had a weird few situa- physical situations in comedy, oddly enough, but like they were all stupid. But that one was one I just didn't see coming. You know what I mean? I knew when he was coming. When the guy yeah. was coming to pull me off stage in Royceford, I knew he was coming to do something. But I, in a million years, I think I said to yeah. you on the balcony too, yeah. I was like, or out on the deck, I was like, when he was coming, I was like, well, this guy's coming up on stage. So it's like, am I going to fight him? Or am I going to just like, I could easily knock him off the stage and just, you know, wait for security. Like, yo, guys, like, get this dude. What is it? Fucking like, mic stand I, like, style. I don't want to be in a fucking fight at all. And then he, when he grabbed my leg, I was like, oh, that was the third option I never even thought about. <laughs> as this he's pulling you <laughs> off? You know, no. is, is, as he's pulling me off, you're like, oh, that wasn't the thing I thought was going to happen. You don't even realize how close you are to the sta- end of the stage. You know what I mean? You're like, <laughs> like There's a lot of comics out there. I don't know if many of them have that story either. No, and it's so funny, too, because, like, it's it's never coming on... Co- the fact that I even have it is such a lame thing in my mind because I'm like, it's not like... I just say nothing that's serious on stage. You know what I mean? So somebody get that wound up about everything I'm saying is like, guys, I'm, I'm like a dummy. It's jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's jokes. I'm like an uneducated idiot. Yeah. Like, I didn't do go to college. Yourself- I didn't do... It's like, what are you... You're taking everything I'm saying. It's like, I'm just trying to make stupid fucking laughs. Do you find yourself, for that reason, not getting other people's sarcasm sometimes? Like, where you're just kind of like, you know, I, I don't know, for me, like, I feel like I get, I get used to people just taking everything I say so seriously and not getting it that <laughs> when someone's sarcastic with me in just a general everyday situation, I just go, oh, no, I meant. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they go, oh, I was just fucking with you. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. And then all of a sudden, I'm the audience member that's a douchebag. Oh, dude. <laughs> I'm explain it to people. Oh, I, I, I didn't mean anything by that. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Like, oh, you're all, fucking you've nothing. You've already far overanalyzed it. Yeah. <laughs> like whatever I said, I just said to make you laugh. If you don't laugh, just, listen just to the move next on. Thing. Yeah, yeah, just listen to the next thing now. <laughs> that one fell flat. On yeah, it was fucking on. strike two. Just I get a couple more pitches. Fucking. I love. <laughs> I love it. I love in comedy, like if like that's a it's a confidence it's definitely like a, a, a hours on stage thing for sure like but my favorite is like you do it long enough and you sort of realize like you're like well I, you hope that like i'm the expert to some degree so if you say something you think is funny when it comes out of your mouth it's a good advice for young comics i give too i go it's funny it's funny you just haven't figured out how to present that to the people yet you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. They I don't remember, know you. <laughs> I remember, I'll never use this again, so it was worth saying the thing. But I was on stage in front of <laughs> I forget where, recently, but uh, it was like a new relationship thing. And I go, I was arguing, I think it was Providence, where I said, I go, oh, yeah, man. I go, this guy doesn't care. Like, that early in a relationship, he'll eat your pussy under any circumstances. Like, <laughs> went to work all day. You got fucking, uh, that fucking... That run goop in your pants <laughs> from the gym, and the crowd just didn't laugh at it. And I was like, 
maybe I should have overexplained. I said to the crowd, I was like, maybe I should have overexplained it. I go, I'm saying like, she went to work, she had some downtime, she decided to hit the gym. And when a woman runs around all day, you know, it's gonna get a little humid down there and things <laughs> are gonna happen. And there's gonna be that weird like, paste in her panties <laughs> uh, which i just sort of assumed in my mind assumed you guys would understand what i was calling it run cum <laughs> I was like, so let's do it again he'll eat your pussy even if you got a day full of run cum and he's laughing <laughs> and he laughs and goes yeah you guys just didn't know where i was at <laughs> just double up on like, just you double say something makes you laugh yeah and they're like run cum i go well, let me explain it because it's making me laugh it's yeah. gotta be what am That's I not? A fork in the road. Yeah, yeah, you're like, how am I not catching you guys with this? Yeah. What am I not saying? I can enough? see the picture in my head. How do <laughs> I explain it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, real funny. Up I see here. what I'm saying. Either, either I just go fuck you, <laughs> and double up on this, or I backtrack. And, but yeah, your we're mind's not, we're you, not going left on you, that. You know, I think Nate's talked about his own stuff before too. That you get those three voices happening in your head at once. So the one in the moment when they don't laugh at all, you're just kind of like, no, come on, did I fuck <laughs> up? Did I miss something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because like when I said it, I was like, this is a funny word. Yeah, you're, you're a little Run bit of insecurity. How you guys, yeah, guys buckled over with laughter about that? Let me try it again. Your little bit of insecurity that made you get up there in the first place makes you have that third conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. No shit. It is weird, man. That's a weird... That's the reason I think it's time to like run away for try to get something down on like album or a special or something is when you're telling it and you're like just over it yourself. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, this old stupid fucking... It's the worst when a joke that worked so well, like stops working, you realize like it's me. Like, <laughs> it's not the joke I anymore. I'm not telling you, I'm not telling with the same I'm, not doing this I'm like with the same I don't even think it's anymore. funny anymore. Especially I said like toiling around in those clubs for so toiling is the wrong word. It was so much fun. But toiling. Like, yeah, but doing those clubs just spots every night and stuff like that, you do get that where you're like you can you start hearing your own joke again. You're like I know it's a new audience, but I'm just looking at I'm these. tired of my voice. But you're like, these four walls and this joke, you're like, it's just deja vu. And you're like, I can't, I can't keep doing that. I'll drive me nuts. Yeah. So uh, what, what to you makes a club great? You know, what, obviously you, you're in New York, so there's a lot of clubs for you guys to hit. Um, much more so than, you know, we have limited stuff here in the Midwest. But what, what to you makes a club great? This club has it, dude. Uh, uh, it sounds such blowing smoke since it's a staff podcast, but like, <laughs> but no, I'm telling you, genuinely, like the staff. So true. Though. A staff that's like, even if they weren't in the comedy when they got the job, they get into it when they're doing it because it's like such a. You know, my chick is worked in comedy clubs in in L.A. She worked at the Comedy Magic Club when she was 18 to her early 20s. Moved to New York, worked at comics from a server to became a manager there and then stand up New York. She became a manager right away and then the stand. And now she works in all production stuff. But like mm-hmm. what she loved about what I loved about her was like, she was just a fucking, I've hardened her where now I like ruined comedy for her. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, Oh, I love this guy. He's so good. And I'm like, he's not. She hears so much bitter comic talk, just like me and my friends, like shitting on whoever. And you're like, at least you're successful enough to not be a cunt when you do it, though. <laughs> the worst thing about comedy, too, is like talking about us all being cunts, though, is like my chick, which she had a hard time going with, like, I've seen you talk to this guy for three hours at a late night at a Montreal festival. He goes, Lovely guy. <laughs> Love the guy. I don't respect what he does up there, though. Comedy, I can't get a grip on what yeah. the fuck's happening up there. Yeah. It's nonsense to me. So, like, she hears all that, but she was a fan, and that's a big thing. And, like, she got so many people, like, people she worked with at a side job at, like, California Pizza Kitchen. Like, that, one of those girls now, she got a job at Stand Up New York as, like, a wait staff. She's now, like, Shane Gillis's manager at, like, 
Damn. and Soder's management oh, nice. company. The same company that awesome. manages Soder, uh, like their management company. Yeah. She works like, for them. She's like Shane's direct person. And she was a California Pete's kid, but she would come to comedy shows because Christine, my girlfriend, worked there. And then she was like, I love this. And then she got her a job there. And like, and that's what, so to answer your question, long, uh, short story long, is that the staff that like gives a fuck about comedy at all, man. Because when you're in the, when you feel like you're in the way as a comic, like it just is a weird weird tone in the room, man. So like, I've had that. Just like the staff just be like, huh? Like, you can't stand here. (laughs) You're like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, like, it's fine. But like, but I also, I don't have like an ego of any kind of like, I've walked in the clubs that I'm getting ready to do the weekend, and they go, ID, and I just pull out my ID. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, shit, I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, it's fine. I'm not like a household. I you get know, it. It's not like, I'm not like Bob I Saget actually feel more in. comfortable. Like, I get yeah. it. Like, I feel more comfortable that you ID'd me on my way in here, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying just like it wouldn't change my effect on the thing at all. I'm like, yeah, you didn't know who, who gives a fuck. That's yeah. fine. Like, yeah. It's like, hey, but let's, the weekend when it's over, man, maybe we'll fucking you'll love it. You know what I mean? We'll have a fucking uh, a new thing. So that's like. That is the big what makes a good club as a staff. And and also I said I came from a school. I, I was t- the person I went on the road the most for like eight years. I had great mentors as far as like Patrice O'Neill was huge for me and a friend and just like what a guy just to talk comedy with late night on the road, you know what I mean, or just on the phone or Super whatever. Super funny guy. So, and, and but the, for eight years, dude, Dave Attell, just doing nine hour car drives and all this crazy shit with him, like learn from that thing and go on the road and watch he was a guy who like the only reason I don't do it is because it seems like hacky towards him but like he still he brings candy for the entire staff he brings yeah. a can and like yeah. he doesn't even drink anymore and he still tips heavy and I just know a million down. comics that do that now just, by the way yeah, candy for the staff he just Burt Kreisch does a thing where he does the raffle for yeah, the yeah. staff member, which is amazing <laughs> and all these things and it's like uh, and I just with that to tell same thing it's like just leave a light footprint and be nice to everybody and whoever's yeah. you're helping you like server yeah. like yeah, take care of them well and like they're excited when you come back and that was just like uh so that's that is the thing when the staff's like into it dude it's the best i love that the one of the kitchen guys in that community is like dude a huge fan i only got to catch a few minutes this weekend but it was great and that, that's great man i love that yeah. i can give um like you know you you didn't want to kiss that sound like a kiss ass and all that stuff <laughs> Um, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, this club in particular is like my home away from home. I've been coming here for well over a decade. And, uh, I think that what really makes a great club more than anything is someone like Colleen. It's, yeah. um, everyone that works for her adores her every comic adores I'll her. tell you just in, in the funny bone it's, complex yeah. itself like how many people are like she is a thrilled when legend. the owner's not there like the whole staff here like she's Dude, great Colleen is the best there yeah. will be yeah. a fucking documentary made about Colleen Queen at some point I promise you that I don't <laughs> Henry Phillips will probably make it like somebody's gonna make one and it, it's just when you have someone like her like what I always I call Colleen the the mother of the island of misfit toys. Oh yeah, yeah. Because this uh, to work in a club as a server or a food runner or a kitchen, like whatever, um, you are also just like us as comics. Like we're just we just don't fit into the normal everyday thing. And Colleen is one of those people that just fosters that environment 
Like the turnover in this club is not even close to as high as it is in every it's other big, club. That's when you can tell by that. This another, is a special place. It's another tell of a club going down though too. Like high to the comic strip. I mentioned them earlier. Like mm-hmm. the comic strip. I said for all the shitty things I could say about it, like it's the reason my daughter exists. My ex-wife was like a, a server in law school at the comic strip, mm-hmm. and we started dating there. So that the play, I, you know, my daughter exists because of that fucking place. But like. My ex-wife was like part of like a crew there that like worked there for years. They everybody loved the staff hung out with the comics. Everybody yeah. went out afterwards and drank. It was a good like late night when the club shut down. The staff hung with the comics and everyone was like. And then all of a sudden it started becoming like high turnover. It was like the nobody was making money anymore, so people started like I have to quit. And it just started becoming like staff who didn't give a shit. They just hire people needing waitressing jobs or, or waiter jobs, and like they just hire whoever. And I'm like, no man. It, it, takes a certain yeah. co- when my chick opened up was the opening manager for the stand comedy club in new york when it first opened she was the opening manager and like she was so, one of the things she was most proud of was like hiring a staff that was like it's like she got people that were like hey is this exciting like louis ck might just pop in you know what yeah. i mean like yeah. gilbert godfrey will just pop in these people janine garofalo they just come by to work out jim gaffigan and like she hired people that were like what that's fucking it's a big deal to have awesome. a fucking picture <laughs> yeah, one night, you know. And so that's like a, I opened for fucking Zal, uh, uh, Sal, uh, Volcano. Yeah, hell yeah. And and I had my son drive out to the club, and then show up and take a picture with him and shit. And he gets to put something on the internet like my dad's cooler than your dad. Hell yeah, which struck my <laughs> ego way more than his. He's he's he's, he's become a. De- it's the weirdest. And he's a great dude. It's the oddest friendship that people, like even the, the lady who owns the Comedy Cellar, who's quite a curmudgeon, we did some Comedy Cellar podcast together in Sal. Me were away on a vacation with our chicks for, uh, like, during quarantine. We went to, like, a cabin for, like, a couple weeks yeah. to just, like, get the fuck out of Manhattan. Yeah. And Staten Island, I guess. But, like, we were, uh, we did this podcast together, and, like, the lady was just like, you guys are friends? And I was like, yeah, she can't picture that because she would never book us within three hours of each other <laughs> but he's such like a, a sweetheart of a guy and, and like a, a dear friend so yeah he's a great guy and like very pro that's a that's one of my most odd friendships like we're, <laughs> we're so bizarrely close but a lot of people wouldn't know that because like we're such different worlds but uh i love his shit dude he's the, great but that's the beauty of art just comedy we there's like to me there's two kinds of comics there's the guys that were like popular in high school and maybe athletes and stuff sure and and then they got out and the world got really big oh, yeah. and and they couldn't figure out how to make people pay attention to them anymore which is kind of where i fall well do you but then were you popular in high school yeah were you really yeah but then like there's the guys that sat in the back of the room and then made fun of the popular guys because they were only popular because they're dumb fucks right, right? right. <laughs> and i secretly wanted to be back there with them <laughs> and they secretly wanted to be up there with me it was funny. I said that the other, we have talked about this the other day, me and you. But I was saying that to uh, I was talking to my mom the other day on the phone. I told her when I was out here, and I was like, because uh, they got, I got asked to do something, some like documentary thing they were asking me about, and I was telling my mom about it, and I was like, yeah, it's so funny. I was like, it's the idea of somebody peaking in high school. I'm like, in high school, it probably seems like the shit. I think I was talk, talking about telling my daughter because my daughter's 18, and you know, everything that's like a thing in her life is such a thing. Yeah. You want to just grab her always and go like, yo, this means nothing. This doesn't fucking nothing matter. at all. I'm like, it doesn't this, fucking it's matter. It's like your dumb friend you're arguing with over whatever you're arguing with. Like, mm-hmm. 
by the way, you say it, it's like in twenty years you'll be so past it in your friendship, or this will be a or girl not you even a person thought, you in your thought, life you haven't thought of in eighteen years. It's like it's just right. none of well, it. Well, here's matters. what you and do. So it's like none of that shit fucking matters at all. So to explain that the short term, so I was saying to my mom, I'm like, could you imagine? Not that I hated high school at all. I had my like, group of degenerates that we fucking oh yeah i was never popular but i had like look back group, fondly but i had my group of people but i do look back on it fondly but at the same time i'm like like the best when they go the best years of your life like that would be a no, nightmare that's horrible that would be a nightmare if that was the best years of my life i've done so much cooler shit since high school oh, yeah that was my dad's number one message to me was like don't make high school be the best years of your oh. life that's stupid and yeah. my like you can just this is how you decipher it when it comes to peaking in high school there's two Hall of Fames in almost every high school. There's the Athletic Hall of Fame, and there's the, like, Hall of Fame Hall of Fame. Sure. Which is comprised of, like, donors and shit like mm -hmm. that. Well, go to the Athletic Hall of Fame, and that's where they peaked in high school. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and no, then I'm there's the other one. My, you know what it was? I remember why my mom and me actually brought up. I just remembered. It was my friend, uh, I don't want to say his name. It was, goes back to shit talking. But, like, the guy, when I switched schools just senior year from Philly to South Jersey... I went to a school, I went from being in a school that was like, I'd say predominantly black, to being in a school where there was like four black kids. But three of them were my friends immediately. So, <laughs> and one of them was... Uh, this kid Reverse Justin. culture shock. His name was Justin, but he was like the dude. He was like the star. He was the running back, but he would also play wide receiver. He played on defense. He was the quarterback and the running back. He, he threw I, himself sort the of, He was the back. Oh, you mean he was the best athlete? <laughs> just by far. Oh, I'm sorry. But he was also, but, but aside from just being the best athlete, like in general, he was also actually genuinely really good. And like good enough to get like he had a... Uh, he had he partials. won offers and stuff. He won offers, but that were partials, but he decided to go for the full ride to like D2 three. or 3. It was like... Three doesn't give full right. Probably D two. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was D two. Yeah. It was. It was a uh, Western Connecticut, I believe, is what it was, which may be D two. But he got like a much better ride there. Got injured in college, and came out of college. And like my mom was saying, she's like, she just brought him up. She goes, I really feel bad because she sees him once in a while in the neighborhood where she lives still, and like. He just became like an IT guy and then like went wacky and tried to become like, I'm going to become a rap producer. That didn't, there's all these like little things like to try to like make something like to return to this glory. Just one right. he can't accept clap now. for you again. Because he That's can't accept it now that it's just like your job might just be like going to work, dude, and coming home. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you're not going to have people cheering anymore. And like it's a hard thing to process when you had that. Because, you know, this is like a kid that was like. Kind of why we do this. No shit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying, but like he was a guy that like, you know. Uh, you know, like everyone couldn't wait. He was like, the most cheered for guy on the team because he had the 90-yard touchdown run or the, you know, whatever it is he did, like the, the, yeah. the punt return. The now he's touchdown. just average as fuck. Now so he's just some either, dude. Yeah, he means he's nothing. Just fucking av another either fucking guy at the it. grocery store. Either you, got it. It. either you got it at some point and you want it back or you never had it and you want it. I never had so it. So it's I was the very two happy types yeah. of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was is, never one of those dudes types. that, like, never had it. the only thing I could think of is, like, you peak in high school, that's when you get boners just sitting down. Like, that's, that to me, I could Fuck never you, imagine that. I'm 42 and I still get boners sitting <laughs> you know, down. My I funniest, got a boner when you caught that bat my, last night. Yeah. My, my funniest insecurity flip-flop was coming from, I remember when I was younger in comedy and, like, you know, from like the, the, the way I was doing featuring or just open mic nights or produce shows, places I go and, like, if you got laid from comedy, like I was going for, because again, for my own insecurity, I was like, well, I'm going to try to find a pretty faced bigger girl 
because she'll want to fuck me. She'll be excited that I did comedy. <laughs> and I always said to myself, I go, you going know, for the low hanging fruit. <laughs> yes. And it was funny. I'd always say to myself, I go, dude, if I get like well known enough where like really hot chicks are throwing pussy at me, I was like, I can't wait to like shoot them down because I'm like, uh, you just want to be with me. You think I'm somebody now. And like, I'm going to go with this bigger girl because. She was there. For, that girl was there asking about me when I was, like, a nobody. And then as soon as, like, a super hot chick goes, like, I'll fuck the shit out of you, you go, well, she likes me for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> that was my I, big, I, was like, I, was like, I can't wait to all these hot chicks to fuck off when they want to yeah. fuck. And I'm you're like, part of my success story now. <laughs> and you're like, well, I mean, she really likes me for some reason. She thought it was yeah. funny. That's enough to go. So, uh, do you remember, uh, obviously, you guys both have been doing it for a while. Do you guys remember the first joke you ever wrote? Yes. Yeah? Absolutely. Word for word, actually. Yeah? <laughs> what was it? Do you still do it? <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do it for nostalgic reasons. Yeah? I, I know you guys have heard me do it before when I've been here. Because I, I always pawn it off, like, you know, like, uh, you know, like a rock group will be like, Hey, I only do this in this town. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So, like, I'll do the thing. I only do this for crowds I like. Yeah. <laughs> but it just happens in a moment where I just feel like doing it. But it was um, the first joke I ever, when I told my friends that I wanted to do stand-up, they obviously thought I was an idiot. And so uh, I told them this joke, and um, it was about, I still get, got boners for no reason like i'm like <laughs> 21 and uh i went to the doctor to get a physical and he rolls over on the stool and the whole the whole joke was born out of my own nightmares as an adolescent getting a hernia check at the doctor yeah i was terrified i'd get a boner yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's what it all really yeah. boils down yeah to. So I tell, I, I wrote this joke as if it really happened. And I'm like, yeah, he comes rolling over on a stool and had a boner for no reason. And he was my pediatrician, my doctor my whole life. And he's looking at me like, fucking what happened to you all of a sudden? And there's eye contact and it's weird and I don't know what to do with myself. So I just started running my fingers through his hair. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my first joke. <laughs> That's great. I, That's I know funny. whatever it was, it was Jerry Springer related. Oh, so yeah. I remember I just had, it was at the time I didn't know what a hack joke was. And I was just like, what's up with Jerry? You know, some breaking down <laughs> some episode I saw. What's up with airplane food? <laughs> no shit. I said, I always say that. People go, it's like, oh, I love like, some people go, I go back to an, being into your half hour Comedy Central special. And I'm like. I did a Mari Povich joke on that. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't know anybody. You know what I mean? Like, you're supposed to have those things in your first Dude, me, years. me yeah. and the guy that produces my podcast right now, we staged fights. Like, like Andy Kaufman shit. Oh, yeah? Where, like, he would fucking heckle me. He, he made this character that he called Jailhouse Jake. Mm -hmm. And he showed up in an orange jumpsuit and a wig and shit. And he'd go on stage and tell these horrible jokes, like child molester jokes. To like get into a fight? I, they were fucking hilarious. <laughs> but he fucking, he had this one joke that he actually fucking wrote that was, he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, he goes, I got a new cellmate. And uh, I get in there and uh, I, I said to him, hey, uh, you want to be the husband or the wife? <laughs> and he's like, I want to be the husband. And I'm like, 
Well, then get over here and suck your wife's dick. (laughs) 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 And, like, I fucking... So, like, I adored it. And then, so we, like, came up with this thing. And I go up, and I'm doing my set. And he just waits, like, for, like, the last two minutes of my set. And he's like, fuck you. And he just starts yelling out of the crowd. And he would already been up doing his thing. And I'm just like, man, what, you know? And I start acting like I'm bothered. And I'm like, sure, come on. Man, I didn't write anything for you. Fuck you. Say one more thing to me. I'm going to fucking whoop your ass. So, like, I storm off stage after him. People start grabbing us and stuff. And then, and uh, we did it like one night at this open mic, and it was awesome. Well, then we decided to do it at the Funny Bone at an open mic. (laughs) And people called the cops. They were so worried about (laughs) it. Yeah. The cops pulled in, guns drawn. Like, we had to be like, no, it's a fucking joke. Like, it's weird when you yeah. take the you know, people take things out. A plant, I fucking love. You guys have Todd Glass here ever? I love Todd Glass. Todd Glass yeah. is so he's fucking so funny. funny. He'll do. He'll go like he's out there. It's so fucking funny. But he had a show. He just one goes time. where he wants. He used to be online. I don't know if it is anymore. But there's a video of him. He was talking. He brought a plant. It was a girl in the audience in a wheelchair. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> and he just starts talking on stage at one point. He's like, yeah, he goes, you know, if you, your mind is the most powerful thing in the world, you know, you could do anything you want if you just believe in it. If you want it bad enough, you could achieve anything you want. And he was like, that girl right there in the audience, like, if she, she could walk if she wanted to walk. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> he's like almost like an evangelist. Like five minutes, he's telling her she could walk, and then like in, by the end, he's like in her face. He goes, he goes, what? I want you to walk. <laughs> and he goes, and he goes, oh, forget this. And he and he picks her up out of the chair, like, and she just goes like ragdoll. Yeah. And he lets her and he lets her go, and she just drops down, falls, <laughs> and he walks away, and he goes, she doesn't want to walk. <laughs> so. And then he goes up on stage and just starts doing comedy again while this girl's on the floor. Fifteen minutes later, he's doing comedy. He's on stage and you just hear a voice from the ground. He goes, "I want to walk." <laughs> and he goes, "Excuse me, everybody. What the fuck did you say?" <laughs> he does like a big Hollywood ending, but I love that when someone That's goes like, "Fucking oh. hilarious." You talk about something like going, like taking it out of like oh where God. where it belongs and it going haywire. I said I started a black club in Philly called the laugh house and i knew again physical stuff would get big big laughs so my big closing act forever was to get uh it was about body but my stepfather's like a weightlifter guy powerlifting but like he had a bunch of bodybuilding friends and i was doing a joke about like i grew up around a bunch of bodybuilders and stuff like i don't get it like for being such a masculine thing working out it's like it's the the, the whole situation is so like weird and semi homoerotic and yeah. guys are wheeling each other up and wearing the tiny little underwear. I go, I don't get it. I don't understand. It. And then like such a bad joke, but like I, I brought a CD with me every time and it would play the 2001 theme. And as it would, you know, hit those crescendos, you know, 2001. I would take some another piece of clothing off getting down ultimately to a tank top and bikini cut underwear <laughs> And posing, and that would be, and I'm telling you, people would fall out of their seats. This black open mic night was packed every week. It was promoted by the hip-hop station, so it was 250 people there, and it would murder. I mean, so then I, when I was doing that, I met Keith Robinson, who became my mentor, got me in kind of like the mainstream circuit. We did a a show together at a black club, is when I met him, and he was headlining, and I was opening for him, and... I killed because I just knew how to pander to the black crowd. And he was a black comic, but he was like 
much kind of mad was, at you. He was already no, he was already in the mainstream. Yeah. So like you know he wasn't mad at all. He was trying to give a me, tough crowd. He was giving me advice. All, it was way before Tough Crowd. Mm. He was giving me advice, like the plane ride out, like, you know, like you're a young guy, and I, I think I've seen you around the club in Philly. I think you're funny, but, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. He was just giving me, like, you know, like the you're a young kid, and I'm, I'll teach you the ropes. Yeah. And then we go on stage, and at this black show we're doing, I murder. And he does fine. Now, he's very funny, and his jokes were way better and all of than mine, but, like, yeah. I just knew how to murder in that environment. And he did, like, and afterwards he's giving me advice. It's good, great advice. But I'm just, like, almost rolling my eyes. And I'm like, dude, I just dusted you in this shit. I got to keep taking breaks from talking to him to take pictures with fat black women in front of, like, Tupac airbrushed backdrops. <laughs> <laughs> These girls, you know, there's the titties be out. And they'd be like, take a picture of us. I'm like, mm. <laughs> like for these backdrops, all kinds of peace signs and oh, yeah. pseudo gang signs. Absolutely, that you didn't know and you then I go back to him and I go, "Now, what are you telling me again about how not good I am yet?" Yeah. He's giving me like real talk, you know. He's yeah. being like honest and like, "You got to work this, but you're very funny, and I should, I'm going to help you like get to New York." And I'm like, "Whatever." And then I went outside and called, um, Kevin Hart, and I was like, "Yo, this guy is here talking all kinds of crazy New York shit." And Kev was like, "No, I, I think that guy's like the real deal." I spoke to him and like he. He really like, like Keith ended up like, or Kev, I should say, ended up when he got famous, like producing Keith's special and stuff. Like, oh, he's shit. Really, he's really come back for him and stuff. But, uh, I'm trying, oh, fuck, I'm so stoned. I'm trying to remember the point of that was <laughs> uh, Keith Robinson. What was the topic? Fuck, we were I don't on? even remember. What was the topic we were on? I don't even remember. <laughs> we're just taking you <laughs> under his wing. Oh, oh, I do remember. I do there you remember. go, kid. You're I remember funny. Keith, Keith was telling me that getting down to my underwear on stage, why I would murder. This is a guy who's coming in foreign to me, and he's going, yeah, just so you know, it's like, that's just not a good joke or anything. He's like, the crowd's laughing because you're a fat guy getting down in your underwear. And I was like, <laughs> I hear you, but, like, it murders. So. <laughs> and he yeah, was it's like, like it's Bert shitting in a pizza box. But when, <laughs> when Kev co-signed him, he was like, yeah, I think this guy's real deal. I was like, oh, maybe I'll listen to him on some stuff and take some advice. And I stopped doing that bit for a while. I think I even tried to incorporate some other, like, big... You know, like Big reveal, dumb closer, but yeah, yeah, dumb shit whatever. like that. Yeah. But I didn't do that for a while. And then I got into the finals of a contest in Philly. And the finals was me versus this guy, Two Ray Gordon, who's a great comic and was also like the guy who first put me on stage. So I looked up to him to yeah. a degree. You know what I mean? And I was like, I'm going against him. So I tell all the other comics in Philly, <coughs> I go Friday night. Now, this contest has been done in front of the open mic crowd. While packed, it's still a very like young, hip-hop crowd the weekends there while there were still black crowds were much more like it was more like middle upper class like people coming and paying like you know thirty dollars for a ticket instead of five dollars yeah, yeah yeah so uh, my humor is hitting much more of like the young people that would come to the more hip-hop show and we're getting ready to do the, the finals was going to be like we each got five minutes in front of like the weekend comic in front of a weekend paying crowd and that's where we find out who wins this contest. And as I knew this was coming up, I'm telling all the other comics, I go, I know it's not fair, guys, but I'm going against Two Ray, and he's so good, so I think I'm bringing back the bodybuilding bit. <laughs> <laughs> and they were even going like, dude, it's not fair. It's too good. It's good. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, well, it's the only chance I have to win, so I'm bringing back the bit. So that night, it's a Friday night. <laughs> we go up. This is where I learned about, like, giving too much on like selling out <laughs> on stage because just do 45 and Dude, have there. more well, it's five minutes five minutes only 
my first three or four that I do before I get into this bit are I'm eating shit. <laughs> this crowd doesn't want to hear my like you know oh P Diddy can do. You hear that new P Diddy song? That shit's crazy. And and all my jokes about that, they're like not into it. And I'm starting to think in my head, I'm like maybe I shouldn't do the bodybuilding bit. Worst case scenario, it doesn't go good. They're already not liking my jokes. Why would I get undressed for them? But like. You're so locked in that young in comedy that I just go, I just set it up still. I go, ah, the bodybuilding and blah, blah. And that 2001 theme comes on. <laughs> and I'm just like, and I'm telling you legitimately, the first thing hits and I go, da, 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 I take off my shirt. I mean, it would be people falling out of their chairs. It would kill so hard. But now this crowd's already not into me. I take the shirt off and I just hear in the audience, hear someone go like, oh, <laughs> and I'm taking, I'm taking my, I'm undoing my belt, and I'm turning around to the crowd because the reveal is going to be my ass, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm saying to myself, I'm like, dude, just pull out, stop, <laughs> pull stop. out. It's not going good. Like, just bail on this and say it wasn't. But it's too late. I'm just in it, and it's like it's all coming at once. And I'm like, I do the reveal, the ass with the thong on, and the crowd, like again, usually that's the where the audience goes, like fucking like Def Jam crazy. Yeah. yeah. And now it's just deafening silence, and one person goes, "Oh Christ!" <laughs> <laughs> and when that mu and when that music would stop, and I'd be in like a bodybuilder's pose and a tank top and underwear, thong underwear, the laughter was so huge and like just people punching tables that like you know i'd pull my pants back up and i'd be like i'm big j everybody and the crowd would be like you know you're high-fiving everybody off the stage and it was great Dude, this crowd i'm standing <laughs> that, pose. that music stops and i'm in that pose and just hearing one black lady in the back of the room go what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it felt like it took four hours to pull my pants up. I was like, I couldn't get. Kurt Metzger always said I should just walked off with the pants around my ankles. <laughs> slowly you wobbled off. Right? You know what's great about that? It was a lesson learned, man. It was just like, it's like I'm doing all this stuff to try to get a laugh. When it's like, well, you're doing comedy, man. Like your words should have that effect on people. Yeah, yeah. you shouldn't have to like fucking do cartwheels and pull yeah. your fucking dick you out. You know what? You else. know what's great about that and what the universe blessed you with is uh had you come up here in the midwest mm -hmm. if you were you know in my circle of comics you'd still fucking be doing that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you need one thing about new york that's the good is the self-governing of new york is it takes yeah long for somebody to go like you know, I had to tell all those years I went out with him once in a while. He we goes, get it. Well, he'd just be like, are you going to do, are you going to close with the whatever bit again? And you're like, well, not now. Yeah. <laughs> like, Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Let me feel yeah, you're like, okay, yeah, not now. Because I guess I'll figure something else out instead of my big closer. Dude, I took this kid on the road with me for like a, like two years. And it was all just one night or shit. And in my world, you know, coming from Des Moines, Iowa, it was like, he could go back to Des Moines to the open mics and be like, I'm on the road with Bill Blank. Like, yeah. and act like a cunt. <laughs> Your name? And, and then he fucking, you know, he moves, he moves to L.A. and now he's, like, homeless and has fucking liver spots. Like, I don't even know what's going on with him. But anyway. <laughs> Weird flex. This is, this is what I, I fucking destroyed him one night. We go to this fucking one-nighter gig in, like, South Dakota somewhere, and we smoke a joint right before the show. We go in, and the owner of the bar is looking. He's just one of those guys that has a look on his face. You know, people have resting bitch face, but this guy has like resting, like you're a 
you're an idiot face. Yeah. And so like, and so this dude, after we smoke this joint, we go, we go in and we introduce ourselves to, to him and, and everything. And this, and he's got that look on his face. That's just like, Oh my God. You know, you just feel like he's looking at you like you're an idiot. And so he, he's like, dude, I think he knows I'm high. I think he knows I'm high. Like, is he like, is he going to, cause he thought, he thought like he could lose gigs over this. Oh, oh, like yeah. most yeah, comics like, aren't high. I'm sorry that you yeah. might lose a hundred bucks every once in a while. Yeah. And he's just like all freaked out. And my, I'm such a fucking asshole because I have always, like, I've always had anxiety issues and shit my whole life. But in that moment, it was just fun for me to make his anxiety worse. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, he totally knows, dude. You better, like, just chill out. Like, you got to. He might not pay us for this. Like, you're going to ruin this whole thing. <laughs> Fuck this up for everybody. And this motherfucker was throwing up in the bathroom before he <laughs> got on stage. <laughs> and it was hilarious. <laughs> oh, that's the best. And I just a couple weeks ago did a show at this at that same place. Same fucking bar owner. Jesus. Completely different booker, all of it. And I show up and I'm like, I knew I fucking recognized you. And he remembered. He remembered... When I f- this when fucking idiot. When I first started headlining, the clubs only knew me as like it was going to be like a dirty act. That was the funniest. When I get to any city I'd go to, it'd be like a, like a local comic. They'd be like, yeah, they usually don't let me work here on the weekends, but because you were coming in, they let me go. And then you watch, and they're always like, it's like, it would make me get upset because they'd go on stage and they go, yeah, you ever. Fuck your girlfriend's cunt so hard she like cum shoots out of her yeah, ass. Yeah, like you're yeah. not and you're fucking like, dirty. You're an idiot. And that's what I'm saying. They're like, and they're like, they're like, they're like, yes. Yeah, so they they can only line me up with you. I'm like, that's not what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, is that what they think I do? That you're just like, they're like, yeah, you can work with this guy. I'm like, I don't want to go after a guy saying that. How many moments have you had like that, that where they just like people just assume shit? Like I I have never been I have never been a guy that was like trying to openly be woke. Or anything like that. But I remember working in a warehouse and this dude comes up to me one day and he's bitching about his roommate's uh his roommate had a girlfriend that was a black chick. He's like, Oh, his stupid and like he said the N word girlfriend and I was just like, Shut the fuck up. Like, what are you doing? And he looks at me like, Well, we all know there's a difference between I go, No, stop it. Just shut the fuck up. Don't even talk to me anymore. Just walk away, dude. Don't. I'll and then argue, he comes as back. A pers- as a person gets called a racist a lot, I will argue, and I'm not, I will argue that if somebody goes like, there's a difference between a black person, you're like, yeah, <laughs> that person's racist. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we're done. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> exactly. He goes, he's got that speech on fucking speed on dial. On fucking speed <laughs> dial. <laughs> Thanks so for crossing the finish line for me. And, like an, and then like 20 minutes later, he comes back and he looks at me and he goes, <laughs> he goes, I'm sorry if I offended you. And I go, I go, uh, no, you didn't offend me. And his face just went, what? Like, why did you react like that? And I go, I'm not offended. That word does nothing to me. I don't have a visceral reaction to that word. Like, I don't. The point is, what bothers me is why did you think 
that I would just jump on board with you in this situation. That's, like, a, that's yeah. a bizarre. What is it about a, me? Yeah, that's a bizarre, bizarre thing. I, I know exactly. What you, that, that made you funny, think you could just say that, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, fucking yeah. right. Yeah, you're you know right, brother. You know what's funny? I used to make, like, a joke about that, like, it's in life, almost saying a thing. I was like, it's such a, it's a white guy bonding moment. I go, <laughs> when you get in a car, because, you, you know, there's also a time, like, years ago when I'd get in a car with, like, someone I didn't really know well. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, we're going to do this gig together. And you always make a joke. It's a white comic. Goes if he makes an N word joke in the first five minutes, I'm like, we're gonna be all right. Like we're gonna be. Friends. <laughs> but then the first event actually happens, and you go and you're, for your first reaction, it goes, why do you think I'd be okay? It's like I'm like, exactly. like I'm not offended by the joke, but I'm like, why do you think I'd be okay? Yeah, it's like you're a very comfortable thing. It's like you know, I could be a person. I'm the audience go, like, for that. Yeah, it's like you, it's like yeah, I'm the audience, but you're also go like you're like, like I am the audience, but you go. What if I wasn't the audience, dude? Yeah. This would be a weird ass car ride. What if you really just real? pissed me and then off? I start judging, and then I start judging there. I'm like, you also pulled that out quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did I just fucking show up with a hood on? Yeah, before for you? before like, we what? get to go through the thing, it's like, yeah, we're just fucking around. It's like, it's like, I don't know yet. I don't know if you're fucking around just yeah. yet. That's yeah, a weird thing to well, like that shit was loaded earlier. and ready to go. Yeah. We were talking about earlier when it came, comes to like going up and. I think it's a very unique experience and it's very valuable to guys like us to be the only white guy in a room. So many white people never get to experience that. Well, I've Every black person on the face of this fucking country has been the only black guy in a room. Well, it's funny. I said uh, <laughs> I do plenty of racial humor, but like when I was on when I was on those Mayhem Fest tours with the band. Like right now. With, with like corn. <laughs> but no, yeah, we was about with corn. Those guys. It was funny. I, I, I met a girl one night and it was like, seemed like I was going to hook up with her backstage. I brought her back and like. Getting faced with real racism when you're like just a jokingly like will make racial humor. <laughs> this girl, so we went back. To I go come backstage. We'll smoke a cigarette and bullshit. She was like cool. she's a cute girl, and she pulled out and she put her cigarettes and it was like Marlboro menthols or something. And I was like making a joke. I go Marlboro menthols. Like oh you don't want to hang out with me. You fucking you bang black dudes with those menthol cigarettes <laughs> jokingly. And she goes no nah, I would never fuck a nigger. And I went whoa. I went, I went, damn, hey, let's, let's get out to the front and watch this band and just lose her in the yeah. audience. So I was like, that was crazy, lady. Like, yeah. like, well, here's oh, where you're mistaken. I'm like, I'm like she, was really, she was really low, throwing in the gauntlet, like, you're okay with this or we're not hooking up. And I'm like, yeah, we should not hook up. I'm like, this is a weird. I think of all English. metal bands, by the way, to be raised around, Corn, the most... The wiggery of all us. It's all white guys with dreadlocks. I don't know if you're in the right place. Any guy that was sexually abused by his, fucked in the ass by his oh, stepdad. Also, Corn. Hey, hey but, let's not. But not even that. Like Corn was like the first metal band ever to play the Apollo. Like there's and like when I was on tour with him, him telling me the stories of like the biggest moments for him were like when they did that. Like Busta Rhymes and Nas were off stage to come to see who's the first metal band playing the Apollo, and they gave him like all kinds of props and. Such a big moment for them, and I like, get so crazy that there's people in your audience who still are like, it's like white supremacists in your audience that don't even. It's like they have no idea what you guys even stand for. It's the white equivalent of Michael Jordan going, "Well, Republicans buy shoes too." Said the lead singer disturbs Jewish, and he told me he stopped shows and kicked out like uh, people with like swastika shit. And I'm like, "Hell yeah, dude! Fuck okay. yeah!" Oh, he'll, stop, he'll stop the whole show. I'm like, "Sorry guys, but you guys got to go." Like, nah, I'm not all right with that. Yeah, I, I mean, that. I my senior year of high school, I think I, it was the uh, one of one of Ozzy's um, retirement tours. <laughs> one of the one, one of the, the retirement yeah. tours. Yeah. One of them. I think it was the second, maybe. And it was Deftones, Corn, and Ozzy, and it was fucking amazing. That's a good show. And I, I and I'm not a metal guy. I, 
I'm like a rap metal guy. Like, I was a freshman in. 1993 when the oh, chronic yeah, came out and gangster rap was fuck yeah dude where it was at you loved lincoln park <laughs> <laughs> i love that first album i loved them and then i was oh, like, no, everything's like, a fucking vanilla ice remix dude you can just you can just revamp I rem- hybrid I like theory hybrid song. theory was on play in my car for quite oh, a while God, i loved so i loved it angst. and then i saw him live and the energy's good and then that, the second album came out and you're like oh this is chick rock yeah <laughs> remember godsmack <laughs> Remember them. They still do the cool Godsmack. Everything is get away, stay away, go away. Every fucking song is about f- going somewhere else. You guys know Attell, dude. One of my favorite car moments with him ever. Which is like, he's just like as opinionless on music, really. But like, he wants to listen to rock and like, I'll play him still. You know, I would like show him like Tool and I'll be like, eh? and he's like, oh, they're pretty good. <laughs> and I put on Godsmack one time, came on in front of him and it was, uh, you know, I'm doing the best I ever did. That song. Yeah. And just one of my favorite, like me and Dave Smith Man, driving with a tell. And one of my favorite tell moments because it's like his, you know, when you're with somebody who does like a thing, it's like a signature thing, and they do the thing. Yeah. Some way you feel if I make Sal Volcano laugh and he's like falling over, you're like, ah, he did though, he's doing the laugh. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Dude, David Tell just driving in the car, and I put that song on and turned it up. And when it got to the first chorus, the tell just, so if you know him, you'll get this. He goes, I'm doing the best I ever did. Ha ha he ha ha ha. He's doing like the David Tell thing. That made me laugh so hard. Ha ha he ha ha. So, what was it like touring with? Co- I mean, I know you toured with Corn uh, and opened up for him. <laughs> yeah. How does that that work? Opening up for a band, uh, you know, everyone's yeah. there expecting to see. The band and you're coming out and doing comedy. They thought it's, I was a roadie who grabbed a microphone. <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like open mics at a restaurant. You know, I, had like. sac- I had to sacrifice a lamb every night. I waited, yeah. first, <laughs> I waited for the first person to go get the fuck off the stage, and you're like, there he is. Here yeah. we go. Hey, jerk off, and you just like, rip that guy apart, and then the rest of the crowd would just fall in line. They'd be like, well, I don't want him to do that to me. So like, they would just let me do my thing. That was awesome. And I did the first tour. I lucked out. The way it ran, I had a manager for, I mean, eight minutes. They called him the Rev. <laughs> but I did a TV show with a rock band for a couple of years called Z-Rock on IFC that was fun because we got to make up our own lines. It was like Curb Your Enthusiasm style shot. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. We did two seasons of it. It didn't get picked up, but it, the company that was behind the band called me in and they were like, yeah, we got this guy. I think it'd be a great manager for you. Your crossover between like metal and stuff is, is great. So it's, you know, or rock music. Like you should do stuff with that. So they introduced me to this guy, the Rev. Good dude, but he just knew nothing about comedy. Like, he would be so excited. He would call me. And it's not even a dig on, like, this comic because I love him. But, like, the time that I was in comedy, it was like he, he called me for the comedy gigs. He'd be like, dude, I got you opening at a VFW in Jersey City for Don Jameson. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> all right. What? Yeah, you're like, that's not right. But the one thing. He opens for Jim Florentine. This is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's who I think of when I think of, like, a metal comic is Florentine. Well, yeah. Sure, yeah, 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 but it wasn't yeah. even Florentine. It was, like, Florentine's guy who opens right. for him. But, like, I love Don, so it's not a dig he's on him. A but great I'm, dude. Great, but it's great one of those dude. things where you're like, I don't know if I should be opening for Don. Like, a younger comic should be doing that. But the one thing he got, he was Shadows Fall, if you remember them. He was their manager. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So his connection to music, in one day, dude, I remember I was at a Starbucks in Queens where I lived. And one day I got two phone calls. He goes, hey, do you want to open for Corn on a smaller venue tour called the Ballroom Blitz? Where it'll be you hosting, and they have a, they'll do a local... You'll go out first and do like five, ten minutes. And then you bring up like a local band, 
it's gonna gets to play like five songs. Then the support act is band Two Cents, who's they no longer exist, but I've seen them. they're great. They played at uh, the Ranch Bowl that used to be here once. For sure, yeah, those guys were great, dude. Those guys, I was in heavy anxiety going on those tours, and those guys made me family. So they're the they three of the five members of the band. <laughs> Are the band that opens my Comedy Central special? Like I had them, comes fl- nice. fly them Hell out. Yeah. Like that's awesome. They wrote uh, like an opening theme for it and everything. Those guys were huge to me. Can we become better friends after <laughs> tonight? <laughs> so that band, that band, fucking uh, got me through that tour. But it, the first one was like these. Sometimes it was like sports bars that could hold a thousand people or something. And Holy it was, shit! It, it was so cool, and also it was rooms that were the size that I can kind of control. So I got comfortable doing it in that regard. And then right, so the same day I got offered that tour, and then they called me back later, and they go, afterwards, come home for two weeks, and then you want to go right back out on Mayhem Fest, which is the main stage was Five Finger Death Punch, Lamb of God, um, Rob Zombie, and Corn. Holy shit. Yeah, that's like, a fucking lineup. Yeah. That's a lineup, yeah. Like, I'll do that too, and I was terrified. And that, that was amphitheaters. So I'm, they really thought I was a fucking <laughs> roadie who grabbed the microphone. They're like, what's going on? Like, Rob Zombie's next. Why is this guy, you know, calling my boyfriend gay? <laughs> who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, exactly. Who the fuck is this guy? And it was funny. I would always point out to black people at a metal show, just like, and have fun with them. And it was so, I swear he was so funny. The message boards of that web, of that uh, festival, nightly I'd go look at them. It would be so funny. They'd either call me, they'd either call me like an N-word lover because I was like saying like, you know, hey, you got the biggest dick in this motherfucker, dude. How cool is that? <laughs> or they'd be like, or they'd be you're like, you're being racist. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. being racist. And I'm like, it's no so funny. Ground. Yeah, no middle ground. So it was always yeah. funny to have that happen. But I went on those tours. Uh, I went on that first one and then just got in with the guy who ran the tour named John Reese. He was Guns N' Roses manager in their prime. Yeah. Great stories. Only band out of That's the cool. 80s worth a shit. <laughs> Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses. Oh, yeah. But he was their guy, and then so uh, two years later on Mayhem Fest, like, they did that in 2010, and two years later it was Slipknot, Slayer, Anthrax, and a couple other bands, and he just <laughs> called me in the middle of that tour, and he was like, hey, you want to do the East Coast with us and just jump on the bus? And I was like, hell yeah. Oh, fuck. So I did that with, yeah. that with a Slipknot. I did that for, mm. and man, for a music fan as I am, dude, Slipknot, that was a fucking, what an experience, man. That was do you like, know where those guys are cool. from? Iowa, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. Des Moines. I said if I go to that Iowa, Iowa, funny, but when I told fans tonight that were from there, I was like, you better take me on the... T- I want to see the gas station where they figured it all out. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the guy's old venue. Well, well I mean, I'm what a big the fan. fuck? Come on. I will take you I'm everywhere. A fu- I'm a huge fan. But, but but going out on tour with them, like, it was on the Jaeger bus, the Jaegermeister-sponsored bus mm-hmm. in my bunk. So every city we got to, they gave us cases of Jaeger. So free Holy Jaeger. Shit. Dude, I would get off, I'd go on stage <laughs> and I would like I'd get the day going and just like fuck with some people and bring up the first band on the small stages and then I'd open the main stage and fuck around with some people and then I'd come out right before the second to last act on the main stage and like do 15 minutes of comedy and get and then I could go drink free Jaeger smoke a joint and go sit in the soundboard which is like that's set up for the perfect visual and audio oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, distance and just not have to be elbow to elbow. Me and my chick would just sit and smoke cigarettes and just for three weeks just watch Slipknot fucking go on every night. Dude, what a dream fucking that's gig awesome. for that's a amazing. fan of that shit, dude. It what was a, so awesome, man. What uh what album was that? Like what 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 were they playing mostly? They were like? on um Iowa. A long time ago, it was like nine years ago. So no, it was um 
I think they were touring on uh, the duality chapter, chapter three. Chapter no, th- it was, uh, was psychosocial. Duality was on chapter three. Yeah. Yeah. No. So not so not that one. Then the one after that. The uh, one after all, that. All hope is gone. That's oh. what it was. And they were uh, doing psychosocial was like their newest song. Okay. But dude, nice. the, the the bass player had already passed away and stuff. But man, just every night to be the thing. Like, it wasn't like great money or anything, but it was like you just go out and you're like, this is it was so an experience. Cool experience. It was, it was yeah. you, know, you eat you awesome. eat at catering every day. You know what I mean? Just hang out at catering with yeah. your fucking... Uh, with a leather mask on. <laughs> 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 but it was... Uh, yeah, what an experience, man. And I was like... That's awesome. It was... Fu- Dude, the, the funniest thing was... I was so goosed up. And by the time I did those three different tours, I was like, yo, I think I got... I figured out how to do it. And I can now turn this into, like, confidently really what, getting some fans from this. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't known at all, you know? So I was like, it was a cool experience. And I was like, but now I can go out and do it. So they were going do music as a weapon tour... I got to tell us to the lead singer of Disturbed, uh, which was fun. He actually ended up offering me to open for them at the House of Blues in Chicago, where they're from, but at the time, I couldn't do it. I would have loved to. Hell yeah. Because when he came on my podcast, SDR show, I got to ask him. It was Corn Disturbed, uh, in this moment, who, like, it's so hilarious. We use her song as a theme song, The Legion of Skanks, and... She does not like me. <laughs> she's, 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 you know, a woman in rock, so she's very feminist She thinks I'm like shitty to chicks. Misogynist. Or and I toured with her on, uh, I've done the boats with her, the metal boats. Yeah. And I've done, uh, the first Mayhem Fest I did was. They Dude, were the my band. neighbor goes on the band right on after me. They were on the band right after me. They were the band on right after I went off the first oh, band. Shit. So she was like, you're going to go out there and make fun of fat girls with small tits again? And I'm like. Probably. <laughs> yes. She's like real clever. And she was like shitty to me, but I, I love her music. She's great. Yeah. But uh, it was them. I never even got to her. Uh, Disturbed, Seven Dust, and Corn. I've been a, yeah. I don't know why, but Seven Dust, I've been a huge Seven Dust since fucking high school, dude. I, I want you so badly to meet my neighbor. My neighbor every year goes on those. What is it? Thousand pounds of metal or whatever There's they different call ones. those. Yeah, thousand yeah. pounds of metal is different. That's usually and he goes on those, and dude, this motherfucker listens to like Swedish death metal. It's so funny. And, <laughs> but he's he's like total cosplay dude. Like he he wears a different costume when he mows the lawn every day. <laughs> oh he, yeah, yeah. He went viral. He did a Frankenfurter from uh, Rocky Horror Rocky Picture Art. Show, like. On his riding lawnmower, pearl neck, fucking you, the whole thing. And he does like Monty Python. He did the Black Knight and had like took pictures of the arms and shit. I had a tree go down in my backyard and he came over with his chainsaw and a hockey mask and cut it up and took it away. <laughs> he's like, he's the best neighbor ever. Dude, that, that those cruise ships were so funny because like I was happy to bring my chick on them when I was doing them because... When the main acts on those cruise ships would be like Slayer or something, the level of like chick on that boat is a heavy metal six. Yeah. <laughs> but so my girl would real be, life my, three. My, my chick would come with them on me because you know it was like probably like you know maybe if we hooked up we could find a chick together or something. And one of them it was motor. The only other thing I did besides uh, ship rock was I did motorboat. Same people promoted it all, produced it all. But it was Motorhead's cruise, and I did that. And Motorhead's crowd audience oh. was like, now you're down to, like, a heavy metal three. Yeah. Yeah. Real world one. <laughs> and my chick, so it's funny. My chick, I'm a, I'm a I have to know your entire history guy. I have to get jealous of it and then get over it. Yeah. It's whatever dumb thing that is. Because, like, weirdly, when I get over it, I also think it's hot. Like, your slutty stories, but I got to know them all. 
Just because of when we argue at one point, I'm going to go, oh, but you were the girl who blew two guys in one night. Like, <laughs> even when I'm telling her to tell me, I'm like, that's pretty hot. Ah, you're so slutty. But then, like, when I'm angry, I'm like, you bitch. <laughs> so, like, but she would uh, she would have stories that she would not tell me the end of, and I'd go, well, what do you mean? And she would go, yeah, dude, I blacked out. I was, like, a bad drunk. <laughs> and I'm like, blacked out? He goes, I've drank. I've been really drunk. I remember everything. And she goes, blackouts are real. And I go, I don't think they are. On one of those crews we were doing on my SDR show podcast on the boat, Motorhead Cruise. And I've, I'm not a whiskey guy at all. And my co-host, Ralph, on that thing goes, no, he goes, not even like Fireball. And I go, I don't know what that is. He goes, oh, it's whiskey, but like it tastes like dentine cinnamon gum. It doesn't go down like whiskey. Good and I night. Go, really? So I'm doing sh- It's candy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, what I'm unaware of is my chick. And she doesn't mind me telling. We've told the story a bunch. Only, I mean, the hottest girl by far, by leaps and bounds on this boat is the DJ guy who's supposed to DJ the dance parties tonight. Yeah. Just brought a chick or two with him that's like party girls. Mm-hmm. This girl was gorgeous. And my chick, while I'm on stage, she's still drinking, so she would do this. She's laying it on this girl heavy. Like, come <laughs> hang out with us and let's find, the girl's totally in. And I'm drinking Fireball in this whole podcast. Here's what I remember. We f- we went to a dark place on the outside of the boat. <laughs> Her and my, my chick and her were making out. My chick took the girl's pants off. I am obliterated. <laughs> I, I remember reaching up and touching the girl's like pussy like via her butt crack. <laughs> and then just going to my head, I go, I go, I go, oh, um, I, I go, I'm a throw. In my head, I go, I'm going to throw up. I go, let me quietly and casually throw up over my shoulder this direction. <laughs> and then I'll get back in the game. And did you ever see the movie? You saw Requiem for a Dream ever? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you remember when they would, like, do drugs? It was that montage of, like, and, like, you know, the eyes get yep. big. And it, <laughs> I'm telling you, in that speed, I got, let me throw up over my shoulder. What I definitely did, puke all over my shoulder. <laughs> and then, I'm telling you, my next thing, it, it, but I would tell you a second later, was my buddy Ralph and my girlfriend with me with their, my arms over their shoulders in the hallway of the cruise ship like this and I'm like hey what are we? and then it's I would tell you I blinked my eyes again and wake up and I'm looking at the bottom of a trash can that I'm throwing up into <laughs> and then I would tell you that I blinked my eyes again and, and sat up in bed and it was bright light outside and I go what the fuck happened and she was like well you killed that threesome mood pretty quick <laughs> and then that girl left and we went back and it was just like I blacked out and she was so happy because then every time I was like well what happened did you blow that guy's cousin also, or did you just go home that night? And she's like, now you can tell. I don't fucking remember. <laughs> she was like, we had a couple of weird moments with that girl before we left. And I was like, really? I just remember going like, let me puke and rally. You puked but never so rallied. In my, mind, yeah, in my yeah. mind, 10 seconds later, I was in bed going like, did we fuck that girl? <laughs> like, no, we did not. What's the matter, honey, in the morning? Oh, you don't remember any of this? I had no clue. What bla- I, I, told, I, said it, I said it was a lie. Thank until God you have that illuminated rock. television in the but it was bedroom. Such a miserable night but my chick looks at it as one of the greatest nights in our relationship. Because <laughs> now, now she, she can she's remind vindicated. you. She can, go, she can go. It's like, yes, Jay, you cannot remember what you did drunk. And I'm like, I didn't think that was true. Can I, I don't want to derail anything, but I just, what is the, what is this? Why are there oh, Cheetos yeah. and a hell, trash We've been going bag. for, how long have we been going for? Uh, we're at like two hours. I was about to say, yeah. let's uh, start wrapping it up. But uh, so we do a thing here on our podcast called the Cheeto Challenge, and we're trying to get, 
fucking sponsored by Cheetos, but obviously we're not big enough. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, so what it is They're is... puffs, though. I, I'll give you Only a, pussies. I just, interviewed, no, 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 I just it, interviewed Shaggy, who was a great guy, who now is a spokesperson. Aggie. Fuck yeah. Uh, it, it's not like... a red-handed. <laughs> it's not a... It, it, it was it, probably him. Yeah, it started <laughs> out as really really that guy was super chill. Man. I was, I, oh I was my like, god, what are you talking to Shaggy about? Man. He was great. Oh, yeah. It all started as an inside joke. So two serve or two uh, door guys were fucking with one of the servers. Said if Cheetos were shaped like dicks, how many could you fit in your mouth? Got back to the table. The table asked him. He was really upset because it was a busy night. This is pre-COVID. Um, so one day on the podcast, we were talking about it, and we we're like, well, what if we see how many Cheeto puffs people can shove in their mouths? So the rules are. You have to shove as many in your mouth as you can. You can't chew them up. You can't, you know, they I can't just have break. To shove them. You just have to shove as many as you can in your they mouth. You can't break. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah can't break. That's, that's the rule. I'm that's, not a python. See, I. I <laughs> We're about to find out how much of a python yeah. you yeah. are, though. How many can you hold in your mouth all at once? At least yeah. more than my dick. They, they, have to be, they have to be in your mouth at least halfway. So if, if half of it's out, you know, you get credit for that, but. You have to try to get as many in as you can. It's I'm a lot just, harder than it I'm kind of wondering why these weren't on Jay's table. Seems like it should have been, but I can't. <laughs> I'm gluten-free right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to announce for us, because normally Davis is our yeah, announcer. Well, we had um, But uh, he's, he's not yeah. here right now. He's on vacation. Heater of the so. mind, so we got to tell everybody He ate baklava today, so. Uh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's uh, at your own leisure, just... You know, as many Just as you can fit many? in your mouth. Yeah. This is but without breaking, but no breaking. No breaking. No breaking. That, be at that least halfway. It all up. It's hard. It's not as easy as it looks because Cheetos are pretty fucking big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't even get the crunchies. You could probably fit. That's probably double the amount. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's why we go with the puffs because they're huge. And yeah. they also break quicker. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's up to four he's already. Four. He's really cramming them in there. I, now, I, he, with that method, he's not going to beat my record. What's your record? 15. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Without breaking. Yeah, the look he just gave me is is what everybody does. Yeah, you just told he's a guy. deep throw. You, you, uh, uh, you just told a guy he can't uh, win. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> you can't win, Rock. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid. For the first time in my life, I'm afraid. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I hit 15. I, I am the record holder. Also, then I have a gag reflex, which is a weird thing to tell a group of guys, but Hell I yeah, don't. Dude. He couldn't wait. <laughs> dude, your commissary is going to be so full in jail. Yeah, yeah dude. exactly. You if I were, you're going to have Twinkies for life, too. If I, if I ever get locked up, <laughs> well, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> That's funny. I have to tell people that, too. Goes, Look, guys, I'm not sucking your dick. For the record, I do have no gag reflex. <laughs> so if I was to get into it, I'd probably be the best. <laughs> so, so wait, how many are we at? I don't uh, even know. I lost. I stopped counting. I <laughs> not breaking. Three have fallen though. Well, I see. Yeah. I see like a broken end of one of them. Oh yeah, one broke. Yeah, yeah there's oh, a broken one in there still. I'll have to review the footage because I stopped paying attention. <laughs> Go back to the tape. I feel like yep. he's almost got that whole bag. Let's send it up to New York, the replay center. You gotta be at at least eight or nine. <laughs> yeah. It's not bad. We're gonna have to bring back the big bags. Oh yeah, that's not I don't bad. Even know. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll have to rewatch the count. video. Yeah, I yeah, lost I count completely too. Completely stop paying attention. <laughs> you probably really wanted those Cheetos, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. thirty-one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I want to thank both of you for coming and doing this with us. It's been a blast. 
You're going to make him say goodbye with a yeah, mouthful yeah. of Cheetos? That's, that's per- right. it's perfect you timing. You can spit them in the bag if you want it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's you, what the bag is for. The trash bag is so out. you don't have to the eat big, them. The, the tra- <laughs> I think he wants to eat them. Oh, yeah. He really? definitely wants to eat them. <laughs> I forgot to order food tonight. What do you think What do you think delivers to the Hilton Garden Inn at 2 a.m.? I don't even know. Fuck, I don't know. There's got to be something. No, buddy. Domino's. There, yeah, there's got to be something. Go I'm going to call an Uber and go try to fuck a fat bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, again, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it a whole bunch. I'm, thank I'm sure you, man. Davis yeah, is jealous as shit right now being in Kansas City, just hanging out. And uh, he, he wanted me to tell you guys that he loves you guys. And uh, he can't wait to do this again with you guys. So Tell him that. I'll be back, man. Tell oh, him yeah. that I love him back. And, uh, and I love you guys. And you know that already, but. And Bill's been fucking, man, this has been an uh, unreal weekend. It's Keo- been a Keo- great weekend. and Bill, uh, the whole weekend, man. Which this is, has like, been no, no, no soft spot awesome in the show, weekend. man. It was great. And, and that's what I, I was telling these guys earlier is, you know, like, this is the, one of the first weekends. I mean, I've laughed, obviously, since we've been open, but this is one of the first weekends where I stood outside of the sound booth and was watching the show. Hell yeah. And, like, yeah. really just into the moment, like, into the, the show, so... Uh, with that going out, I know you're an Eagles fan, and uh, I always try to. Have I'm a Steelers fan, so this is going to be hard. But I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little outro music for you guys. Well, and your quarterback's a rapist, so you can't. I get mean, mad at anybody, <laughs> but only for the underage. Listen, <laughs> listen, they willingly went to the room. Okay. Yeah, as long as he's on your team, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, to take us out, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the uh, the Eagles fight song for us. So fly Eagles fly. All right, love you guys.